Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Good morning to you. It is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of July in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, 503-228-4101 uh, on this Friday. 503-228-4101. Uh, you can text if you like at 520 Five one. You can email uh, also if that is uh, your pleasure. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or uh, Greg Nibbler, our production assistant extraordinaire. Uh, it can be reached at uh, Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, at KUFO.com. All right, we'll uh, quickly go down the uh, list here. Let's see. Uh, Tim, do you have this thing about giant squid invading San Diego? No, because I was working on the giant worm in Idaho story. Awesome. Do you have this thing about NASA inadvertently erasing all the original tapes of the moon landing? Yes, all of them. Excellent. I'm sure there's nothing suspicious about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have this thing about, uh, let's see. Do you have this thing about uh, Michael Jackson and the various pseudonyms he was using to buy drugs? I may. I have a huge Michael Jackson stack here. Do you have this thing about uh, Glenn Beck screaming like a small child? No, I, I, I stay away from people like that. You know, I typically do as well. That, it's funny. I did watch a, a Pat Buchanan and Rachel Maddow video this morning, though, which was quite interesting. Do you have the thing, speaking of, uh, of Rachel Maddow and, and, and Pat Buchanan and the confluence of things, who is that woman on the Food Network? I want to say Sarah Lee, but it's not Sarah Lee. Or is it Sarah Lee? She's the cake lady, isn't she? Uh, or you think of Cake Boss. I'm not thinking of... No, no, no. You're thinking of Ace of Cakes. No, Cake Boss is a different show. What is Cake Boss? It's the boss of this cake place. <laughs> I guess I could have sussed that out myself. In, in New Jersey. Linguistically. Who people around. Who, who, who solves people's cakes pro- cake problems in a half an hour. It's fantastic. Well, okay then. No, no, no. I'm thinking of Sandra Lee. Not to be confused with Sandra D. No, 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 no. There's Sarah Lee. There's Sandra D. This is not those D people. Is dead, no, no, no. This, this is a montage of a montage of her would just be a lot of clips of nothing at this point. This is Sandra D, and she has that um, she has that show on the Food Network called Semi Homemade Cooking. Semi Homemade Cooking. Well, in any event, I've got to, I've got some great audio of her that I can't take credit for. I didn't create it, uh, but it was sent to me, uh, and it's fantastic. So we'll play that. And as much as I typically stay away from playing anything that has anything to do with Glenn Beck. I couldn't resist this piece. This is from uh, this is from his radio program that he did. I think this is from just a few days back. So um, I'll play this here in uh, in just a bit. It's uh, it really is worth listening to. Well, all right. 
in any event. It's uh, 503-228-4101 on this Friday. We're going to be joined by CNN Radio correspondent James Roop today from uh, Los Angeles. Talk a little bit about uh, Michael Jackson. We've got the CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins who's going to join us as well. We'll talk to Dax Holt from TMZ and Aaron Duran will be in the studio with The Week in Geek coming up uh, today at 7 o'clock. Ladies and the gentlefolk. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Uh, it is hot in here. <laughs> hot. I was... Uh, I'm I trying was... to avoid it, but I'm sweating. Oh, my God. I was actually just going to say that I... This is the sort of thing it's that I resist. Thirsty. I resist talking about this most of the time because if you're not here in this, if you're not one of the three of us in the studio, you can't really tell. But it is, I would say, conservatively speaking, I would say it's 80 degrees in here. No, it's 87. It's 87. It can't be 87, it's 87 degrees in here, really. Thermostat. Yep. All right. I went into the uh, the rack room, which is the you know, the, one, the 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 equipment room here, where there's all the sort of processing equipment and the. You know, we basically have this huge, it's like a graphic equalizer on your stereo, but it's, you know, but it's like a $400,000 graphic equalizer. And, I mean, I would imagine it's, I think it's over 100 degrees in there. Greg says it's double the temperature in his room. All right. Awesome. <laughs> oh, and he's usually in a little ice box too. <laughs> this, man, this place that is, is, that is the coldest room. It's like climate change incarnate in here because you walk into the hallway, there's spots in the hallway. It's like we're, it, it's like we're in the Amityville Horror you're walking through the hallway, and there's places where it's about 20 degrees out there. And then you come in here, and it's just a sauna. So at some point, if you, uh, I don't know, if you hear us just kind of going, uh, as though the very life force and breath are being sucked out of our uh, bodies, that's that's why that is. <laughs> or if I sound a little parched at some point during the show, that's, uh, that's the reason. I know, I've already had like five glasses of water. God almighty. <laughs> All right. Uh, we also have a pair of uh, tickets to Blink-182 we're going to be giving away later on today. Uh, plus your chance to win a uh, pair of tickets to the Timbers versus Burnley Football Club from the English Premier League. Uh, and your shot at sitting on the bench with the players and hanging out with Sarah Dillon uh, on the field before the game and so forth. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 5.08. It's going to be 94 degrees today. Then uh, cooling off of the weekend. Highs only in the 80s. I would say we've already reached that temperature in certain places. I, I thought I still had a fever from my uh, my lost voice days. I, there's a weird... And you know, here's the thing about it. This is the last thing I'll... Last observation I'll make, at least for now, because I realize it's not relatable to anybody except the three of us. No, I think other people are probably sweltering in their houses right now. Is it sweltering where you are? Well, okay, so the, here's a question. Is it that the heat is on, or is it just that the air conditioning isn't on and the equipment here has raised the temperature in this room to 87 degrees? I think it's the latter. That, that, I mean, that, that seems, that seems well, like... Well, isn't that solid state equipment that's not supposed to heat up? No, I haven't seen it, but not... I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know the answer to that. I, I used think... my air conditioner last night, but I haven't put it in my window yet, so I just set it on a chair next to my bed. So you've now moved it. Wasn't your air conditioner sitting on a stool in your bathroom? It was sitting on a stool, but I, I decided to put the back of it um, out toward my living room, and then I have sliding doors, so I, I closed my doors around the back of it. You know, it still gathers water, though, and just pours water out of the back. I know, but my room was cool. <laughs> so now you've got... So let me understand this. I put now, a pan underneath it. The air conditioner... Can you please take a photograph of that and bring it in? I want a photograph of Sarah Dillon's air conditioner sitting on a stool with a pan underneath it in the middle of your bedroom. And this is supposed to be in the window, right? Yes. Okay. I don't know how to get it in. Well, in any event, so uh, if you if you're uh, if you work in a, in a place or you live somewhere where the air conditioning has gone out and it's uh, you know and it's a cozy ninety degrees, you could just rest assured that we are uh, we are relating to you this morning because it's it is really unbelievably hot in this room. All right. I mean that's the last uh, it feels I'm like say I'm that. wearing seventies polyester today. Everything seems to be sticking. To and here's the thing: people want to hear. There are different. <laughs> I want to hear more about things sticking to Tim Riley. 
there's two different kinds of hot. I guess there's more than that. But, I mean, there's the outdoor kind of hot where at least it's sort of a it's sort of a broad kind of spacious sort of heat. But then when you get that, you get that inside the house heat, especially if it's the kind that's being created by electrical equipment of some kind. It's kind of that smothering sort of heat. It's where you're inside like a, it's like you're inside a really dirty quilt. That's sort of what it feels like. It's like I've been wrapped in some sort of down comforter that hasn't been washed since 1952. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, in the news, first of all, we're starting off with an accident northeast 57th Avenue in Sacramento. Multnomah County Sheriff Bob Skipper saved a young girl wandering the main streets of Northeast Gleason on 122nd, and it's led to the arrest of a man for sexual assault. Skipper stopped and quizzed the youngster and quickly realized that she was injured. Investigators arrested 29-year-old Monroe McCray on multiple felony sexual assault charges. Well, everything about this is icky, too. An Alabama man who drove all the way to Spokane to have sex with a 14-year-old girl he met while playing World of Witchcraft will spend nine years behind bars. 28-year-old Morgan Jones was found with a girl whom he plied with alcohol and drugs after she ran away from home. Alabama man! It's like the author. Did anyone get what I was doing just there? Anyone? No. Greg? No. Usually, Greg, here's the thing about, about my 1% jokes. I thought jokes. you were trying to do the real American genius commercial. No, I, normally I can count on at least Greg Nibbler understanding uh, some of those obscure references that I do. I thought Alabama man would resonate with uh, with you, Sarah Dillon. All right, well, no. just a man without a country over here. Well, I'll explain it. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, take a break. Researchers at the University of Idaho are setting their sights on capturing a three-foot-long earthworm. Farmers in the Moscow, Idaho area have reported these sightings for the past two decades. And these worms aren't that friendly, either reportedly spinning at them when they feel threatened. That's disturbing. All right. Well, let's do this, and then we'll do something else. Uh, coming up uh, here in just a few minutes, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Later on, Dax Holt from TMZ, Aaron Duran with The Week in Geek, and uh, your chance to repair tickets to see Blink-182. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Friday morning. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show continues next. Goddamn dog dedication! Get me my photos! Only on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503. 228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. Just to make you feel better about wherever it is that you work. So not only is it 87 degrees in the studio, it's actually... We were just talking to our good friends at uh, Couple, uh, KUPL. They're right down the hall from us. So I think it's a couple hundred degrees there. <laughs> I feel bad for them. It's hotter there. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yeah, Greg noted that they're right in the middle of the of the building, which means they are surrounded by equipment on all sides. And we have this this big ass uh, thick soundproof window, but at least we actually do have a window that you know that is connected to the outside, which means we dissipate some heat through there. Couple has no such window, so all they have is just four people in a tiny insulated room that is about 104 degrees right now. Uh, plus, the hallway smells like whiz. Uh, so it just totally smells like hot pee out there. And and you know, here's the thing with that is uh, you were you were saying, well, what could possibly be? I think you're over you're over analyzing the situation when you ask what could be making it smell like hot pee in the hallway. I think it really is just the fact that 
that we've had over the course of however many years, however many dogs that lurk down on this floor of the uh, of the studio. Not so many anymore, though. I think all the dog people have left the building permanently. I think that's uh, spend more time at home with their dogs. <laughs> I think I think that's true as well. But I don't think you can ever get that out of the carpet. I think that you can get the surface. Like if your right. dog whizzes on the carpet and you have it cleaned. My understanding of the situation is you can just sort of get the surface layer of that out of the fabric, but it just stays down, you know, down the, deep. at the bottom of the rug. Right. Here's why I ask this, because, and I'm going to get this year in discussion. This happened to me the other day with the Stanley Steamer guy at my, my rental property. I'm so glad you brought this up, because that's exactly what I was going to ask. And I wanted to sort of get this handled before everybody was up and uh, trying to have a glass of uh, warm Ovaltine while listening to the show. So Laura and I had our house, uh, the, you know, the carpets cleaned mm-hmm. a while back. I was maybe, I don't know, two, three, four weeks ago because because we had gotten Philo when he was a puppy, and that was about eight, nine months ago, something like that. And, and you know, you, for the first six months, you just understand that there's going to be incidents that happen because he's... You know, and sometimes into the first year. Like yeah. Like the first year and a half. Because they are, you know, they are imperfect creatures trying to live in a, in a world of humans. So and lots of absences have lots of more accidents than regular. Is dogs. that true? Now are they predisposed to have some the, the bladder irregularities? Well, mine gets very excited when I come home and I pick it up, and usually there's a problem. <laughs> but, I'm so glad you're, you're home. I have a very special greeting for you. <laughs> but but usually I I. I make sure that I, now you belong I, to me. I pick her up on the tile floor because that's a more sanitary cleanup than carpeting. Uh-huh. So if there's going to be an accident, hold your dog in an area where you can easily clean. There was a great Onion headline I saw the other day, actually. They said, uh, overhydrated terrier, now proud owner of 17 city blocks. So we've got this this living room, you know, where there's the carpet, and we and we put off cleaning the carpet for eight or nine months. We thought, okay, we're going to let the we're going to get the bulk of the dog training time out of the way. That's sensible. So we have the guy come over and he cleans the carpet. And Laura and I, we each of us thought it was just our own particular olfactory sense that had gone off. But the house actually smelled more like dog whiz right. after the carpet had been cleaned than before. And we were wondering if there was something wrong with our rug. But you're saying that's a known phenomenon. It stays in the padding underneath. So you can scrub that rug all you want. and You can put deodorizer on it, but as it's drying, the smell from the padding comes up. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened in our place. And the thing is, and of course, the irony is that we didn't really know this until we got the carpet cleaned because we were having some people over that night. And we're like, ah, oh, we got to get the house nice and clean for them to come over. And they were very polite and didn't note the fact that when you walk into our living room, the first thing that happened is it smelled like a dog had just... Uh Taken possession of the entire place. Now, is is that the carpeting that came with the house? Yes. Okay, so you probably have apartment-grade carpeting, which is thinner, meaning that the odor can travel faster because it's not as thick as, say, a home style of carpeting. There, there are different classes of carpeting. Well, that's great. That's, uh, so... And being a landlord, I have the... Uh... <laughs> You're a lower-class carpeting. <laughs> well, so you got to imagine that... However many dogs, because it's a pretty d- d- dog-friendly company, I would say. CBS is yeah. uh, CBS embraces people and their pets. And I'm running through just a list in my head of the dogs that have spent significant amounts of time in this building. Now, I will leave Sarah's dog Muppet out of the equation because Muppet was good and didn't go in the building. He never did. And you put a diaper on him. And I wore a diaper to make sure. So, <laughs> I made him wear a diaper. <laughs> so there was, uh, there was uh, Kristen Bowie's dog, uh, which occasionally had some incidents. There was... Um, there was at least two dogs from upstairs that belonged to, to, to Tony Howard. There was, um, when Movin was here, there was Lisa from Movin. She had a dog. Paddock has two dogs, and I can't speak to whether or not. I mean, I, I, th- I get the feeling they're pretty well behaved. Yeah, they're quiet. One of them, I think, got sick at one point, so I don't know if that. Oh, I don't Lisa know. Wood brought her dog. But... There's Lisa Wood. So that's six right there. Yeah. So if you assume that a third of those dogs 
even had incidents maybe 20% of the time. That explains why if you walk out into the hallway. So now we have this Hobson's choice here of being in this studio, which is, I would say now, probably 88, 89 degrees, or going out into the hallway where it's slightly cooler, but the trade-off is that you're going to be sort of soaking in a urine stench. It's the best Friday ever. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, it's like downtown Portland without the homeless people in here. Hey, have you noticed this? If you're speaking of downtown Portland and all things that reek, if you're downtown by Kelly's Olympian, which I think is what Fifth and Alder, Washington. I think it's I think it's Washington. If you're, it's where there's that Key Bank that's right there. Mm-hmm. So if you go downtown right by that corner by Kelly's Olympian, which is Fifth and Washington, that is the worst funk I have ever. There's it's something stinky there. there. It's but it's like nothing you can point to in particular. In other words, it's not like you're near a rendering plant or something. It's just that the city itself smells right there. That goes back to the days of the Shanghai Tunnel. But I mean, is is there something then underneath the ground? Is that what I'm smelling? Is there some sort of, I mean, is it like a cavern or something well, underneath the city there? Couple of, uh, you know, a couple of centuries of drunken urinating people down there. I guess it's, you think it's they one could... of the older urinating parts of the city. <laughs> See, Portland, a history in pee. You, it seems like you could probably get rid of that though. You could scrub that away at a certain point. No, I used to take the bus when I was working downtown years ago. I used to take the bus to there and and home from there because I didn't want to. I didn't want to park. And you would wait out there sometimes, and it was all you could do not to just pass out from the smell. And I don't know what it is that's right there, but I would wait for the bus directly across from that key bank and caddy corner, as they say, from Kelly's Olympian. And it was some of the worst stench I have ever smelled in my life. And the thing is, they were the poor bastards that are still down there because they have to take the bus. They need to do what they do on Hollywood Boulevard and pressure wash everything every night yeah. or early morning. Before, you know, the tourists start coming down. I would imagine, except that part of town is not really, uh, I think, unless you work right in that vicinity, probably nobody, um, probably nobody much goes there because there is such a, that's right on the border of where there's a lot of homeless people sort of hanging out. So I think they probably figure it's a point of diminishing returns to be, to be cleaning. So, all right. Well, in any event, it's uh, 503-228-4101, 228-4101. Straight ahead, Tim Riley has news for us coming up next hour. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Aaron Duran with the Week in Geek at 7 o'clock. Dax Holt from TMZ at 8. Uh, still on the way, Geek Watch, your shot at Blink-182 tickets and more. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Friday morning. Stay there. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. Pick up the phone and call. Really, Oprah, get the phone out of your mouth. 1-800-344-KUFO. Her body is just made out of squares and fat. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. 503-228-4101. You can also text at 52051. Later on today, we'll give away a pair of tickets to see Blink-182. They're going to be a Memorial Coliseum September 9th, 2009. Uh, also, Dax Holt from TMZ. Aaron Duran with The Week in Geek. This at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It's going to be 94 degrees today, cooling off and into the 80s most of the weekend. It's 540. It was murder. The jury didn't buy John Roberts' tall tale that his wife's death was a mercy killing, convicting the Gresham man of murder. 
Virginia Roberts' medical records show she didn't have Lou Gehrig's disease, as the man claimed. Prosecutors showed evidence of John Roberts' infidelity, gambling debts, and substance abuse. This is the guy that claimed it was uh, that that she had wanted uh, to be killed because she mm-hmm. had because she had ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, yes. or whatever it is. She didn't. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't there be like some sort of a test? Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't she have gone to the doctor and there would be? Yes. They, that's the kind of thing they put a note in your permanent record about if you have Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes. All right. Uh, Turkish hackers, hackers, Turkish hackers are striking Portland websites for some unknown reason. One victim is the homepage of Central Northwest Neighbors that now shows a message it's been cracked by a Turkish hacker. Actor James Caviezel, who played Jesus in Passion of the Christ, has been injured in a Leavenworth, Washington motorcycle crash after a deranged man hurled a bike into the path of his Harley. Luckily, Jesus was wearing his helmet and escaped with cuts and bruises. The bike thrower is from Wenatchee and is said to have mental issues. Really? <laughs> yes. Not that the two are synonymous, mind you. Hollywood! Scandal! Hollywood starlet, a term used loosely, Hollywood starlet Misha Barton is hospitalized after being taken away to the loony bin under an involuntary psychiatric cold. Police arrived at the O.C. Actresses Los Angeles home yesterday afternoon after receiving a non-emergency call. A patrol officer began assisting Barton with a so-called medical issue. Wait a minute. So when did the O.C. Hold on. Let's back up for a second. When did the O.C. go off the air? A few years ago. That was with Peter. Wasn't Peter Gallagher on that show? Peter Gallagher was on it. Remember we had um, the main guy, the the guy who played the main character on... um, that's we not Joshua Jackson. Not Joshua Jackson. What's his name? Ryan something. Uh, but we had him in the studio that's uh, right, during the oh, election yeah. four years ago. Because he was stumping for gore. Yeah. That's right. I forgot all about that. It wasn't a memorable interview. No, it wasn't. I, I, he didn't seem very happy to be there. I don't remember what he looks like. I don't remember his name. I don't remember anything about him. He was short him. and kind of muscly and looked kind of angry. I got nothing. Do you remember that time we had the guy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the studio and I didn't recognize him until after he was gone? Yes. Yeah. No. That was a, that was a dark day for me. The well, It was because he was in town... There was this movie called Saints and Saints and Angels, Saints and Sinners, something or other. It was, it was some war film, and there were three guys, and it was sort of locally made. There was some sort of some sort of Portland connection. They brought the guy into the studio, and he was sitting with us. And I'm interviewing, and I'm like, "So anyway, tell me about this movie that I've never seen, but that I am pretending to have knowledge of." The, the actor guy, and we talk. He's a nice guy, but I didn't really recognize him because I think he had a beard or something, and he had a hat, like he had a sort of like Joaquin Phoenix disguise kit on, and then he left. And I, I just hadn't bothered to, you know, we hadn't had a chance to take any of the calls that were coming in. And the first three calls in a row are like, hey, jackass, he's from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I recognized uh, that he was, in fact, a sort of, he was kind of a B-lister. But he was still a guy who'd been on uh, for a couple seasons of Buffy. And then I just, and I spent the rest of the day just sort of uh, in self-loathing about it. So we had this guy from the OC on, which means that that must have been, I mean, it's been off the air for three or four years. Has Misha Barton done anything since then? Absolutely not. Apparently, she's partying and carrying on, and she has bad personal habits. Not only does she have bad personal habits, you can see her spine from the front. She's the thinnest person I've ever seen in my life, and not in a good way. I mean, she is the very she's the definition of unappealingly slender. Misha Martin has been placed under code 5150 of the California Welfare Institution Code, transported to Cedars-Sinai. I thought that was... What does uh, that mean? What's that code? Authorities can hold an individual if that person appears to be a danger to themselves or others, is gravely disabled, or is suffering from a mental disorder. Now, when I was... They uh, can keep her for 72 hours. When I was a kid, we always heard that, uh, because Van Halen named a record after this, they, they, because the first Van Halen record with uh, Sammy Hagar was called 5150. And so as a kid, we always heard that that was the code for criminally insane, although it seems unlikely that she's some sort of evil villainous mastermind. So maybe it just means that you're just regular nuts or something. 
Well, because of this, she could not attend the premiere of her new motion picture, Homecoming, in New York City. Right. I'm sure it was going to be an action-packed, star-studded event. Raise your hand if you know anything about the new Misha Barton film. Okay, there you go. Oh, hey, speaking of crazy, so uh, let me just Well, play. it's been overshadowed by Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. It was neck and neck, though, for it, a minute. It would have been a close second. I have this, uh, speaking of crazy, I have this audio. I typically don't play anything from Glenn Beck, because the deal with Glenn Beck is... He's he, just another white yahoo. Well, that, <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly it. Just another cracker. He's I mean, every Glenn news Beck. network has to have one. He's, uh, but the problem with, the problem with uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is the movie Network, uh, which was directed by Sidney Lumet, uh, uh, written by Patty Chayefsky, and starring um, uh, uh, Peter Finch, who won a... Pos- In fact, Peter Finch, I think Peter Finch was the only person up until Heath Ledger who ever won an Oscar posthumously, and he won it for the role of Howard Beale. And you, even if you have never seen the movie Network, you know... You know it, and you know Howard Beale, because he did the famous, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this. He did that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And his, you know, the character of Howard Beale, if people haven't actually seen the film, he is a late, he's a, a, an evening television newscaster, not unlike Dan Rather or, or Walter Cronkite or Katie Couric or whoever, who just goes nuts on the air one night, first says that he's going to take his own life, uh, then goes into this unstoppable rant about how the world is effed and we're all, you know, it's all shot to hell and we're all goners. And becomes this internet or the internet becomes this television superstar and blah 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 blah. And the only interesting thing about that, really, from this from the vantage point of today, is that it was like thirty five years ago before anybody ever considered that such things would be possible. And so, what has happened over the past uh, you know two decades is everybody has looked at Howard Beale and they said, "What if we had a guy like that on our on our network? I bet that would work out really well." But everybody does it kind of badly. And the latest version of that is Glenn Beck. And the reason I don't typically play any audio from Glenn Beck is because. Glenn Beck is one of those guys where everybody sort of talks about, oh, he's, he seems to be crazy. I think he has emotional problems, which is clearly not true. The, 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 obvious, the obvious truth to me is that Glenn Beck is a guy who desperately wants you to think that he is crazy and has emotion. That's like, that's his hook. That is, it, it's just a bad show. That is, that is, and it's, just, it's just a it's a shuck, as we used to say uh, when I was a kid. It it's, is, it's bad TV. <laughs> that's exactly it, Tim. It is a poor, sticky gimmick that is executed uh, badly, in my opinion. I mean, there have been some real people who've done it well, like Morton Downey Jr. There have been people who were actually uh, unstable, who probably should not have been let near uh, microphones and cameras over the years. Glenn Beck, not one of them. Glenn Beck is a guy who desperately wishes to appear troubled, so that you watch it wondering when his demons will strike next. And it's and it's all just it's all just really badly contrived. That being said, I'll play I, I guess this. enough people have to care. I will. Well, he was the guy that with, with the, the, the 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 guest passed out on the floor. Was that about two, three months ago? He was talking to some guy, and some guy fainted in the studio. Oh, yeah. And Glenn Beck is, can we get an ambulance? My guest has fainted. And yet, amazingly enough, the camera is there sort of holding the carefully prepared shot mm-hmm. from some upward angle that would normally never exist unless you knew the guy was going to faint ahead of time, in my opinion. So this is Glenn Beck, though, on his uh, uh, on his radio program, I think, yesterday, maybe two days ago. And this it's a typical... It's the typical thing where he's ripping off Don Geronimo and screaming at the caller. It's only worthwhile, though, because of this point right towards the end, when his voice cracks and goes up, I think, a couple octaves that he didn't anticipate, and he sounds for all the world like a screaming five-year-old girl. You'll hear the, you'll hear the part at the end. So this is some woman calling up, and, and, the, she's, and of course, she's a tiresome hag as well. She's yelling at him about health care, and he's yelling back at her about living in Massachusetts, and it's all very uninteresting until the very end when his, when his voice does this weird shift thing. Every time you people bring up costs, 
you don't care about the trillions of dollars to bail out the banks and all the uh, the the credit card companies. Kathy, get off my phone! Get off my phone, you little pinhead! I don't care. You people Wait for don't it. care about the trillions. <laughs> that is kind of amusing. I think someone lost control of his larynx for just a moment oh, there. Play it again. There you go. So that's uh, it's almost like Joe Jackson kicked him in an unpleasant place. It's going to be my new "You've Got Mail" sounder uh, for at least the rest of the week. Every time you people bring up cost, you don't care about the trillions of dollars to bail out the banks and all the uh, the. This woman is mouthing the usual liberal talking points, Tim. Get off my phone, you little pinhead! Wait for it. I don't care. You people don't care about the trillions. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of amusing. I don't, All right. See, that's that gold. That's, and the rest of it is completely uninteresting to me. Like the whole thing where he's where he's screaming at the woman is just. And if anybody uh, you know listened to this, uh, there was a show on the air for a long time that we were big fans of, the Don and Mike Show. And it's just so it's so clearly a bad Xerox of what Don Geronimo did for years. It's only worth it at the end where he where he somehow his voice gets away from him a little bit. And I think he's attempting to sound menacing here. And it doesn't really work to the extent that he probably wants it to. That this probably does not convey the uh, this does not convey the weight or gravitas that I believe he is aiming for as a pundit. <laughs> it's go. like he's singing. Well done, Glenn Beck. You've you've never sounded more masculine. Okay, I am amused. All right, here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what was I doing? I know I don't remember. Okay, what is the mystery falling foam from the space shuttle? One of the first priorities when Space Shuttle Endeavor arrives at the International Space Station uh, will be to inspect it to see if they can safely return to Earth. NASA experts will begin an intense analysis to make sure there's no more damage to the heat shield. Apparently, uh, a big chunk of foam was seen falling from a fuel tank, which doesn't make anybody feel good. The shuttle program manager named John says NASA needs to understand what's going on. Well, I guess so. Astronauts have already used a 100-foot rocket boom to inspect the vehicle, but it doesn't reach everywhere, including outer space. In all, more than a dozen pieces of foam fell out the fuel tank. Wait a minute. I, I'm unclear. Is, is, is the space shuttle in outer space now? Yes. How are they inspecting it in outer space if the so-called rocket boom doesn't extend into outer space? That, I know. I don't know why they put that there. <laughs> Usually, the robot inspects it, but it can't reach everywhere, which... Makes sense. It cannot reach into outer space. We haven't made anything that long. Wait a minute. Where's the well, robot? It can't be inspected. Is the robot... the robot is on the ground. Oh, well, of course it can't reach into outer space. 100... Do they really need to put that in the article? <laughs> That's what it says. It's a 100-foot rocket boom. Are they noting that a 100-foot boom arm on There's the ground can't, into quote, reach space. into outer space? That is correct. <laughs> this one, the agency that erased the video of the moon landing. Wow, I know you're supposed to write for a 7th grade level in this country as a journalist, but still... All right, well, this just in. Something on the ground that's 100 feet high can't, quote, reach into outer space to inspect this out of the space shuttle. Uh-huh. Right. That from the project uh, manager, John Shannon. Do you get the feeling that, and I hate to say this, but that maybe the government doesn't always know what they're doing? That uh, <laughs> They might be incompetent uh, on, on some, on some issues. Because the last three times the space shuttle has taken off, things have fallen off the side of it. The last time we had a story like this, it was, in fact, a story exactly like this. They need to use longer screws. <laughs> Is this your observation as a homeowner? Well, I know that every time something falls apart, it's because the handyman 
tried to cut corners and get the job done early, and he used short screws. And that's when things come loose. In the spaceships? Same principle. Well, you know, they, they either need to use uh, longer screws or they need to use those screws that... Um, what are those screws called where it's like they have... It, they almost expand inside the wall. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I've seen those. I don't There's know like nails call. or screws, but you mm-hmm. pound them in. It's not a molly. A molly's a separate thing. Uh, a molly is like this sort of... Like a little plastic uh, receptacle that you put inside the wall. But there's those screws you put in there and they expand. Clearly, if they would just ask... This is like they need that kitchens and bathrooms uh, the book so they can figure out how to put things on the side of the space mm-hmm. shuttle. And incidentally... I don't know what kind of communication they have with the ground if they're out in space on the space shuttle, whatever this is called. It's got to be weird, though, to be sitting there. Maybe you're just clicking through and just seeing, you know, what's on the news. And then you you turn on the television and you just see pieces falling off the space shuttle. And you're sitting there on the space shuttle in outer space just sort of wondering, well, that's that's bad. I wonder how that'll work out later. Well, I think they have a button that says turn on TV now. <laughs> and they wait till they're far enough away where they can't do a thing about it. Just uh, the where NASA just opts not to give them cable access until they uh, until things have already uh, so, settled down. You want to have a phone call out to the wives and warn them. <laughs> All right, and bring them to the green room. <laughs> and have them speak with the minister. <laughs> That's oddly a good, specific. Took a dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have Buzz Aldrin come sit with somebody in the living room? That would be great. Next hour, seeing a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, and your chance to win Blink-182 tickets. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's 503-228-4101. All right, have we done a temperature check for the studio? All right, Sarah Dillon is going to check the uh, the thermostat or the thermometer. Do you ever have to stop and clarify to your head whether it's the thermostat or the thermometer? Yes, all, all the right. time. The thermometer says what? It's getting hotter. It's 88. <laughs> yeah. All right, there you go. 88 degrees in the studio. And we'd spend our time in the hallway. Well, actually, I guess we were spending our time in the hallway during the break, so... I was mentioning earlier that the air conditioning in this building has malfunctioned, and it's only 6 in the morning, so that wouldn't typically be an issue, except that we're in this room with uh, racks and racks and stacks and piles of radio equipment, which just throw off uh, heat like nobody's business, and then the three of us, of course, are in here. Plus, we've got soundproof windows, which also means that they're, you know, airproof windows. So we're basically sealed inside a small deprivation chamber which a bunch of, with, with a bunch of miniature toaster ovens, and... So it is now 88 degrees, and the only alternative is to sit out in the hallway where, because of years and years of a dog-friendly policy of this building, it reeks of urine. So of urine. We, we, yes, I, <laughs> it smells like urine. It's really the opposite of urine. I, uh, so we opted for that during the break. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, what headlines are we uh, following on this Friday morning? Well, there are several here. We're going to talk to the ex-lover. Of Michael Jackson's dermatologist. So this is so the dermatologist is not the ex-lover of Michael Jackson, to the best of our knowledge. No. Okay. But he may be the father of one of his children. Also, uh, Debbie Rowe calls a nine one one on the paparazzi. Miko Brando, who's the big hanger on, who you've seen on Larry King, says Michael Jackson didn't have a drug problem. And Harry Potter makes $58 billion in its first day out. Jesus, God almighty. And real quickly here, I do have this Michael Jackson story. This is from the L.A. Times. And this is about his, um, so I guess he was using a series of pseudonyms to get drugs, which in a way is sort of comforting because you you like to think, 
I don't know. You like to think that celebrities are, you know, are just like you in some way. Uh, but this whole Michael Jackson thing makes it seem... Uh, it did seem for the first couple of weeks of this investigation as though he had some bat phone on his desk and he could just pick it up and press the drug button, uh, which is right next to the, you know, the little fire hat for the, uh, you know, for the guy to come put out your house when it's ablaze. And they would just deliver drugs. But apparently he was actually having to t- he was having to take the Michael Vick route uh, as well as, you know, going and giving some sort of fake name to buy medication. So his name was. OK, we have here Michael Jackson's pseudonyms included Omar Arnold, Bill Bray and Joseph Scruz. S- <laughs> Joseph Scruz. S-C-R-U-Z. Joseph Scruz. I don't think so. Maybe. I think Scruz is funnier. Scruz. Would you? Doesn't it sound? Doesn't it sound like a like a made up name from some sort of a uh, like a 1960s sitcom that would take place in in Lick Skillet, Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Joseph Scruz, get in off the porch. So Omar get in here for biscuits and gravy. They're growing fast. Bill, Bill Bray, Omar Arnold, and Joseph Scruz were Michael Jackson's pseudonyms that he used to schedule appointments, order tests, and allegedly get prescriptions uh, given to him under these various names. So there you go. All right. Joseph Scruz, by the way, is going to... You can't say it like that. You have to say Joseph, Joseph Scruz. 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 And, it's in my, and, and in my head, when I look at it, it's got an umlaut over it, where it's like over the U, where it's sort of a Scruz kind of a thing. If I start checking into hotels under a pseudonym, which I have been tempted to do, by the way, in the past, just because... I'm just announcing it for today, sort for of the record. A, to, to like a Russell Hammond from Stillwater thing, where he says, you know, I'm under Harry Houdini. I and and like a lot of dudes, I have a catalog in my head of pseudonyms used by various rock stars when they would check into hotels over the years. Um, Bob Dylan used to check into hotels under the name of Mephisto, which is awesome. Uh, and Gene Simmons pseudonym uh, in hotels might still be at this point. I should try it the next time Kisser's in town. He uh, Gene Simmons used to check into hotels uh, as Reginald Van Helsing. And Reginald Van Helsing, of course, was the uh, arch nemesis of Dracula. He was the he was the original vampire hunter. And Alice Cooper checked into hotels as, I think, I think he just I think he called himself Mister Groucho. Uh, it's like a Groucho Marx kind of a deal. Anyway, so my pseudonym going forward though, Joseph Scruz. So I'm going to write down right now so I don't forget about it. <laughs> Never forget Joseph Scruz. Uh, let's do a couple of these uh, emails. This says Rick. Technically, outer space is anything past the Earth's gravitational pull. So obviously it depends on the size of the object. We're talking about how there are things falling off the space shuttle, and apparently there's some robot arm on the ground that can't quite reach to, you know, space. Just scratch it. Uh, human beings have not been to outer space for 40 years. When they went to the moon, they've only been in orbit. The robot arm that is inspecting the space shuttle is attached to the shuttle and extends out of the open cargo bay. I hope that un-Scotty J's you on the subject. Well, that is the unkindest cut of all, sir. So is the robot arm on... The shuttle itself, Tim, you, it sounded like it was actually on the ground. That's the way they wrote it. You know, I don't trust. No. When we come back, we should, uh, straight ahead at this hour, we should, we're going to talk to Lisa Desjardins, but we should do that story about NASA inadvertently erasing all the original tapes of the moon landing. Fantastic. It's like, have you ever doubted the government's incompetence? This is why I don't believe in most conspiracy theories, because the government, they're such boobs, they can't even get it together to put those things in a filing cabinet. Maybe and that we'll, is the conspiracy theory, though, right? And we have the definitive explanation for 5150 from someone who's been placed under that hold. Stay there. Excellent. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Pick up the phone and call. Really, Oprah, get the phone out of your mouth. 1-800-344-KUFO. Her body is just made out of squares and fat. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. 
See, you're talking about Oprah because you actually say get the fork out of your mouth. It's true. I'm not talking about Oprah when I say squares and fat because that's I know how my brain works. That's not how I would describe her. I think I'm talking about Debbie Rowe. Because she, that sounds like how you describe Debbie Rowe. Because she looks like she's made just out of... Uh, she looks like she's made out of sort of grisly cubes. I mean, you know, it's sort of uh, like you were to put it together with a child's blocks, but made out of ham. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Friday morning? Debbie Rowe calls 911 on ah. a paparazzi. Awesome. A North Carolina man calls 911 and says he's about to rob a bank. And don't stop him. Then we have another woman calling 911 to say Garth Brooks' half-naked sister is running around naked. Oh, no, she's... she's <laughs> Her half-naked sister? No, 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 she's yeah. naked except for a baseball cap, if this is the same story that yeah. I read uh, this morning. I haven't heard the audio, but I did read some story about that. By the way, in case, oh, you're, family. in case you're just joining us, uh, we have this report from the L.A. Times that Michael Jackson uh, had tests, scheduled doctor's appointments, and order prescriptions under aliases including Omar Arnold, William Bray, and Joseph Scruz. That's S-C-R-U-Z. And uh, Greg is typing on the screen that they're on. <laughs> I should start calling myself Mayor Scruz. All right. I'm going to get right on that. All right. If I were Southern, though, they would just give me the honorary appellation of Colonel Scruz. Uh, that were all the little Scruzzes. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning to you guys. All right. Would you find the name Joseph Scruz uh, to be uh, as amusing as we do? I find it hilarious. Do you think it's less funny if I don't do it with the accent? Do you think the accent is more than 50% of the humor right, there sit, or less? Sit straight. Less. Joseph, Joseph Scruz. <laughs> the accent. Joseph Scruz. <laughs> See, it's, it, it, it does become funny to the power of three once you add the uh, the Southern inflection onto it. Yeah, it might be. Is, uh, that, is that what that is? That was Southern? I, sort of. I get It's Southern by way of Tim Riley. Uh, because here, I don't really have um, I don't really have any of my own humor. Uh, I just have sort of bits of other people's personality that I have filed uh, off of them and then taped onto myself, and that is the sort of affectation that Tim puts on any sort of a name that comes from any sort of a story in which any sort of trashy behavior is taking place. Uh, for example, you know, he would say uh, he would say, uh, you know, it, it busted in. It, let's see. Busted in the sting operation that netted 15 smokes for less customers was 23-year-old Luella Sharp. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly how Tim delivers those things. And so it is just sort of leached into my personality and delivery, which is why it comes out as Joseph Scruz. So Scruz is S-C-R-U-Z? S-C-R-U-Z, which doesn't even sound like a real name. I'm going to Google it right now. I'm going to Google yeah. the name Joseph Scruz. But here's the thing. I'm going to do it without. Uh, but then you got to do that thing of, of uh, subtracting the word Jackson from the results, which I, is. I, I did a four one one. There's a Jane Scruz. Let's in, see. Uh, in New Jersey. Okay, so if if you remove Jackson from the search results, which you do by hitting minus and then typing Jackson, um, all there are literally there are two results only, and both of them, both of them are are for somebody. The one is for Joe Cruz, uh, <laughs> and the other one is. Um, is a it appears you're looking for info about Joseph Scruz. Would you like to? But it's for like a generic white pages service that doesn't have any actual information about him. It's just sort of it's like a uh, like a spam result asking you know like would you like to sign up to be alerted for information about Joseph Scruz when it becomes available? There's a Nivaldo Scruz in Florida. Nivaldo Scruz. <laughs> that's that sounds like um that's almost like a um. <laughs> Nivaldo Scruz. Like Spanish half brother. I was gonna. My name is Nivaldo Scruz. You, you <laughs> killed my father. 
Nivaldo scrubs is almost like a Carposi's sarcoma kind of a thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Where it's like an ailment that belongs to a guy, like Lou Gehrig's disease and Nivaldo's scrubs. Nivaldo's scrubs. I don't know. I've got this. Freight industry of some sort. I've got this Nivaldo scrubs all up and down my right leg. I think they're going to have to scrape it off at the uh, doctor today. I don't know. Then they have to give me a bleaching treatment. Well, in any of them. Hey, uh, speaking hey. of scraping in doctor's offices, so about every eight years, uh, we'll get some guy in the White House who decides, or some first lady in the White House who decides that they're going to shove health care through. <laughs> and then that either happens or doesn't, and, and typically doesn't is the outcome there. So they gave you this thousand-page health care thing you had to read the other day. Mm. In the grand scheme of things, does it matter? Because is, is any of it going to go through? Yeah, is everybody that I know in Washington is relentlessly making fun of me for reading this bill. Like they're they're just like, what what is the what 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 is the point of that? Why don't you just read a bill from oh 1960? It'd be just as helpful. Um, I don't. I mean, I think I I think the odds are still maybe 50 50 that they'll get something through. This has been a bad week for healthcare reform. Um, the last day has been a particular punch in the gut to President Obama and his plans because the director of the Congressional Budget Office came out and said, uh, yeah, all those plans that are supposed to save money over the long run, which is really the president's point to all of this, they don't. They actually raise the cost of health care to the federal government by potentially a lot. Now, I mean, all the Democrats say, okay, everything's a work in progress, and we're still going to figure this out, and those aren't our final plans anyway, and no big deal. But it really is... it's a pretty big blow. They've got to they've got to reconfigure a lot about their health care reform. But meanwhile, in classic Washington style, two House committees have been up all night uh, working on their versions of the bill. One of them, I think, went home at 5 a.m., took a vote and went home. The other one just reconvened and is trying to wrap up after being up all night working on their bill. And so the the deal here is that I, as I understand it, is that. It's sort of like the Massachusetts thing where everybody would be obliged uh, to, to pay for health care. And if you didn't, then the man would effectively garnish your wages to the to the, uh, to the, to yeah. the tune of two and a half percent. That's the house plan. That's right. All right. So Mike wants to do. And then if your business businesses also must front, um, they must float some kind of employee coverage and there'll be like minimum requirements for that. And if they don't, there will be a penalty on them as well. I believe the house penalty is 8 percent of your payroll if you don't um, support health care. That was actually my wife's question. My wife said then would it then be advent under that under that plan, how would that affect uh, companies and the health care that they, that they offer for those companies that still do that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in, in effect, does it become cheaper at some point just to do nothing and let the, and let the government take care of it? It looks at the different plan. I mean, the House penalty for businesses is much higher, 8% of payroll. The Senate penalty, the latest version, is 750 bucks. And I've talked to a ton of business owners that are like, yeah, okay, I'll, per, per employee. But they said, yeah, I'll, that's a lot cheaper than the amount I'm paying for health care for each employee. So, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pay the government 750 bucks, and I won't do anything on health care if that's, if that's how that's going to go. I mean, most most of them won't because the, the idea is that employees want health care, and that's a reason that you would choose a particular job anyway. But I, I don't know. And I, I think the bigger issue is the cost and that where it stands now, Democrats are in a range of spending some twenty to 40000 for every new person that gets insurance. And those people would still be spending some of their own money as well. And you, know, you just have to say, wait a minute, that it only costs, what, $2,000 a year for 
pretty good health care right. coverage depending on your situation, and you're going to spend 20 or 40 over 10. I mean, it just it's over 10 years, but it's still it's it's it just the numbers are, are not working out for Democrats at this moment. Uh, and, and and before we uh, sort of wrap this up, so uh, the Sotomayor hearings uh, yeah. continue to, to, to go forward with really regrettably little drama or conflict from yeah, my vantage yeah. point. Yeah, and in fact, in, it was kind of a love fest yesterday as it as it winded down. The top Republican on the committee said, "Okay, I'm let's 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 have a vote before we leave for August recess," which was kind of the only real point of contention. It was when are they going to do this? Are they going to delay it? Are they not? And they're not. You know, they really they they couldn't they couldn't land a punch on her at all and. They're just going to uh, probably vote maybe the last week of July and, it, and get her on the court. There's actually a case that comes up in September. It looks like she'll be on the court. Justice Sotomayor ready to ready to rule. Is it too late for me to start some sort of uh, vicious and totally unfounded rumor that will take her down? It is never too late. The whole Clarence Thomas stuff happened, I believe, while he was in confirmation hearing. So Excellent. go for it. All right. Uh, if you hear that, uh, if you hear something come out of, uh, you know, come out of the rumor mill later on today, you'll know whose fingerprints <laughs> are all over that. Excellent. Awesome. All right. I would like to leave you with this thought from our production assistant, Greg Nibbler. I don't know whether this is true or whether he's just speculating, but it, it rings correct in either event. He just typed in the screen, Nivaldo Scruz has a mustache. And I, and I know, here's the thing, when I conjure up a picture of Nivaldo Scruz in my head, he does, in fact, have a mustache that is both thick and lustrous. Very, it's very, like, kind of early gay porn, I think. Final, sort of, sort of looks like, and his, and, he, and, his, uh, and his friend is named, uh, his friend is named Ronaldo. Let me ask you this. Do you know when the new Dexter series, uh, the new season of Dexter is, is oh, beginning? You're haunting me. I do not know this. All right. I'm only asking because I have this weird, I have this chain of thoughts in my head. Uh. It started with Nivaldo Scruz and it ends with Dexter, and it's sort of unimportant how I got from one to the other. Um, but I was—I'm uh, trying to track that down because we have, uh, and I'll tell you about this. I'll, do, I'll email you that I'll tell you off the air. But we have a fantastic guest related to the Dexter fourth season premiere that we're going to be getting on the show. But I'm trying to figure out when that premiere is. So I'll—I'll I'll, really? I'll keep you in the loop. Talk about who the new—the big new character is on on uh, Dexter. I—it's not—it's not Jimmy Smith. It's um. John Lithgow, I thought. Is it John Lithgow? I Boy, you want to? John Lithgow is going to be the new, you know, new adversarial serial killer. Boy, that uh, that's a guy that crazy just comes off him in waves. I mean, both John. Would you agree that John Lithgow is sort of like Christopher Walken in that way? Totally. You get the sense that there's there's something deeply unsettled within With him. Eyes, right? He just looks at you and you're kind of hoo hoo. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. All right. On that note, have a uh, fantastic weekend, Lisa. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. Weekend, everybody. Uh, there you go. That is Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Nivaldo Scruz. It's 503-228-4101. Oh, hey, so speaking of Greg Nibbler, by the way, so I got an email here. Uh, it says, uh, Rick, as always, doing your job for you. Uh, I am listening live. See, now I, fa- I feel bad for making fun of the South. It says, listening live in Kentucky, of all places. Awesome. Uh, doing your job for you, as always, you have never told the story of Greg and the Nevada hooker. And it wasn't a Nevada hooker. It was. We should be very clear about this because one never knows when Mrs. Nibbler is listening. <laughs> it was a Nevada stripper, a Vegas stripper. All right. A Vegas stripper. Oh, yeah, because we were talking about uh, the guitarist. Your, about your, your new gentleman friend. Gentleman acquaintance with whom you are spending social time. Yes, who, who I've spent social time with. You are still spending social time with him? Um, well, he's been working and I've been at the pool, so. But in theory. In theory. There yes. hasn't been a we're no longer spending social time together no, discussion. No, like we, we, we've spoken. All right. So we, we were talking about the fact that he had, he had once dated a stripper and... You not have, just, not these, just on a couple dates, but like for six months. He had he had, he had seen a stripper. He had a longish term relationship with a stripper. He had a he had a an ongoing relationship with a stripper. Yes. All right. And uh, anyway, a whole discussion about that, which then terminated in Greg saying that 
volunteering that he had dated a Vegas stripper at one point. So uh, when we come back, we will ask Greg to tell us the story of uh, dating the Vegas stripper. Plus, Tim Riley coming up next hour. Aaron Duran with the Week in Geek. Blink 182 tickets at some point very soon, so you uh, stay tuned for that as well. It's 503 228 4101 and tickets to see the Timbers as well uh, when they play Burnley on the 25th. So be listening. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Friday morning. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. They attacked me like a bunch of mad wolf and they stuck forward. I thought I was going to die because they were like rabbit animals. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up at 720, Aaron Duran will be here with The Week in Geek uh, at 8 o'clock. We'll have Dax Holt from TMZ, who gives us the latest uh, in the uh, Michael Jackson case. And at 820 today, we'll have your top five. The top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in a strip club. And no, your head is not empty and producing an echo. That is the same thing I said yesterday. Today, though, I really mean it. Today, it's on the schedule. It's in the system. I've Ready changed. To go. I've turned, Rick Emerson has turned over you a have new leaf. Your ways. That's right. Uh, and in case you are just joining us, uh, the greatest soundbite of the day is this. There you go. It's 503-228-4101. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Friday? Well, a Vancouver man who defecated on his neighbor's floor will have to spend 30 days in jail and pay $80 to have the defecation uh, picked up. A uh, bomb scare at a Beaverton Home Depot was just that, not a real bomb. And a Beaverton man loses hand making homemade fireworks. All right, then. Oh, by the way, and I, I don't have time to read this entire story, uh, but I just have the headline here, and this is from uh, this is from The Sun, which is the world's greatest newspaper, it and it says, Man crushed in rubbish machine was trying to make new life. So I will leave it up oh, to you to determine. He just didn't have enough time. Well, he, uh, I suppose it is up to one's own perception whether or not he was successful. Well, he was on his way to it. Earlier this week, we were talking about uh, about uh, Sarah and uh, this uh, gentleman with whom she has been spending social time, and we, we discussed yes. this a lot on Monday. And I think that, Tim, that was the day that you were out sick. Your your voice was a little bit on the mend, so you may just not like uh, Glenn Beck's. <laughs> just like just like Glenn Beck. Thank you. So. You may or may not be privy to this story, but um, I don't remember how this came up. So, th- so there's this guy that you're sort of seeing, not seriously. No, there's this but... guy that I went on a date with on Sunday night. But um, How did it come out that he had dated a stripper for six months? we were talking about um, like our previous relationships. I was telling him about um, you know, how I'd been like seeing the hipster dude and then not so much anymore. And uh, Your time with the hipster <laughs> terminated abruptly. It, it came to a conclusion. I didn't tell you what happened with him, did I? No, here's what you, do- here's what you told me. Last week, and I have been, uh, because I am a, a good uh, Christian human, I have not pressed you on this point. Last week, you said that you had the worst dating story in the history of dating stories. You said that it was the worst. You said that it was the worst incident that had ever happened to you. The worst thing that had ever happened to you in terms of a relationship, which really but I wasn't ready to talk about. And, it. and that you and that you were, had quite, you had not quite uh, internalized it and processed it yourself. Uh, to the point that you could discuss it. And here's the, the, I'm just going to say that having known you for quite some time, I know that there are any number of stories which are varying degrees of unpleasant and awkward. So to say that something is actually the worst story that's ever happened to you, it really... Yeah, I mean, that's a, stories of, like, guys with creepy penis-molding kits and, you know, having beer thrown in my face. That's the one I was thinking of, the guy throw, on New Year's Eve. Oh, yes. The guy throwing the beer in your face. That so, so to say that something is the worst thing that's ever happened to you in your dating life is really a, bi- a, bit, a was, bit of a bold statement. So It wasn't that... 
terrible. But that, but that's not the stripper story. It's not the stripper story. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's on the same. Uh, well, let's work backwards. So, okay. well, and Portland is supposed to be the best place for gals to find guys, <laughs> according to this survey. Well, it doesn't oh, specify boy. what kind of guys. I'm though. That's, that's right the problem. <laughs> they they don't go into quality. It's do a they? single ladies paradise. I hear. That's what it says. <laughs> Marie Claire is it's never a girl's wrong. Disneyland. So let's let's work backward from this stripper thing. So you are out the other night with your gentleman friend, and you're discussing. Uh, so. Last you're, relationship. You're single. How did, you know, tell me about your last relationship. Yes. And he, revi- so it was a stripper that he saw for six six months. Six months. And now, they just did broke they up. live together? They didn't live together. They broke up a month ago because she. Because she's nuts. Yes. That was his assessment of the situation. She, she seemed a little crazy. Did you press him at all on, on how serious they were? No, but I asked him like how, if he would go and watch her and stuff. Oh, would, would he go see her at so work? So he would go see did her he? at work. Yes. So he'd go visit her every once in a while. I could have answered that for him, by the way. I know. He'd go and visit her once in a while. He said that, that the stripping didn't bother him, but the private dances that she would give did. Yeah. Which I can see why. Yeah, that's right. I don't, it's just so strange. He seems so normal. He seems so nonchalant about it. Yeah. So here's the thing. And he's not embarrassed about it. Like, he's well, he's just see, like... That, that ding, 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 ding. That's it. That's it right there. See, that's, I was thinking about this because you, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, you were all disproportionately uh, upset about the fact that he had dated a stripper for six months. And I was just thinking about this the other day. Here's, here's my take on this. This is just my dime store psychology. You are equal parts a bug that he dated a stripper for six months and you are bugged by the fact that he is okay with it. That's the thing. You wish, you want him to apologize for it. You I know want I don't him want to, him be, to apologize but you want I just want to understand it. But I think you want him to, you want him to make some statement to the effect that, well, I know that's kind of weird. That's, I think, I what bugs maybe, you is that he thinks it's normal. Maybe some kind of like just a slight justification, but he has given me a justification because he said, I like hot chicks. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, I, I thought she was hot, and we got along, so you know we ended up dating for a while. Yeah, see, and I and think he's like, I, I'm not. I, he's like, I, everything I do in my life, me is like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to apologize or be embarrassed for it. It's like, when I you know. said that he was sort of unrepentant about it. I think that's a. The, 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 I think that's the thing is. I think you. I think it. I think it is a frustrating thing to you that he views it from an entirely. It's like he's looking. I know, because I feel like the stodgy one. He's looking at the magic eye painting and sees the yeah. Statue of Liberty, and you just see a bunch of dots. And he looks all wholesome, and I look all crazy, and it's really like me, like you're dated a stripper. Yep. And- so, so as, <laughs> and we'll get back into that here in just a second. So, as, but as an adjunct to that, Greg just observed. I think he just typed on the script because I made the the statement that probably in Portland, especially like fifty percent of the guys you know have dated a stripper mm-hmm. at some point to some. Well, I know a lot of guys who have like um, had relations with strippers. I don't know a lot who have spent biblical them. time with a stripper. Yeah. And Greg typed on the screen, "I once dated a Vegas stripper," and we didn't really get a chance to follow up on that. So we had a listener remind us that that story needs to be told. So, uh, Greg Nibbler, please now to explain how it is. Uh, was this one date or many dates? No, this this was one one uh, perfectly horrible date. <laughs> Awesome. What happened? And this is a, a stripper in Las Vegas. This was a stripper in Las Vegas. I was down in Las Vegas uh, with about three friends of mine, and uh, we went During down. Your single crazy days. This, this was single crazy days. Yes, and uh, so we went out, and of course, we decided to visit a strip club. And so we we headed over to the Cheetah Club. Was the name of this place? <laughs> the Showgirls Club. That is, so I don't, awesome. is that what it is? No, that's, me. Was that's, she there? That's where Elizabeth Berkeley strips in the beginning of Showgirls. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Okay, well, uh, this was where I met Monique. And um, <laughs> so we were, we were hanging she out there. sounds very French. Oh, much, yes. How yes. much Nick? Was she quite exotic? Uh, yes, she was. She was Hawaiian. Um, uh-huh. And so, uh, so we were hanging out. You know, you're, you're in the strip club area, but they also had a separate bar. And so we were hanging out in the bar, and we'd had quite a bit to drink. And this... Monique was coming up to me and telling me, oh, you know, you have really pretty eyes and that kind of thing. You, you know, it's pretty typical eyes. Stripper, typical stripper stuff. I love the way they sparkle when they look at the money in your hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, 
my friends were like, well, why don't you just give her our, give her your number? So I gave her the number to the hotel room and the hotel number. Just thinking, you know, nothing's ever going to happen to this. The next day, we're uh, continuing to uh, imbibe our beverages. And it's probably about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And that day, we had decided that it was uh, 70s day. So we brought down, like, leisure suits. And I have a, a powder blue leisure suit. Of course you do. With blue and white checkered pants. Yes, it's, it's awesome. And um, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we get a call at the hotel phone. And sure enough, it's Monique. Wanting to know uh, what we were doing that <laughs> night and wanting to know if I wanted to go out. I want to go back to the cheetah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she didn't want me to go to the cheetah. She wanted to, like, go out somewhere in Vegas. And uh, I love the way the ATM illuminates your features. Yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, yeah, I quickly ruined this. But um, so so that same night we were going to Excalibur. We we're going to go see that Arthur, King Arthur show. Right, right, the jousting thing. Yeah. Right. So we were, we were already going there in our leisure suits. And so I asked her to, <laughs> to meet me after that show and pick me up. And so we get out of the show, and um, it, there she is, like, standing there in like, these leather pants and this, like, cut-off shirt with, uh, it, she, she looked really hot. Like, a cut-off, like, what, shimmery shirt. What celebrity would you say she most resembled? Oh, God, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that, because uh, maybe Brooke Burke. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah something along those lines. And um, so, so uh, I'm standing there in my powder blue suit, and she's there in her leather pants, and uh, she decides to... What a couple you must and, have made. Oh, yeah, we looked fabulous. Sound picture perfect. And so I was like, well, why don't we uh, go back to my hotel room so I can change out of my leisure suit, and we'll... Uh, Please change me. Let's go back. I need to take off my leisure <laughs> pants. Come back and change me? No, I said, why don't we go back to the hotel room so I can change out of my leisure suit? <laughs> I think that's what I meant to I say. I have anyway. a more tasteful pair of stretch slats I'd like to use. <laughs> I've got some sweats I'd like to put on. <laughs> Hager pants that really accentuate my features. So uh, so, so we go back there, and then um, we get we get back to the hotel. She drives me back over there in her car. <laughs> we get back. We get to the, like, the 20th floor where our hotel room is, and I open up my wallet to get my key card. Oh, I've lost my key card. <laughs> You're not really have... staying at this hotel, are you? No, no. So it's, um, and I've already had so much to drink at that point too. I'm trying to play it cool and so pretend that I have. You're drunk in a leisure suit and you can't find your hotel key. Meanwhile, there's a stripper there with a hot stripper. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, so, so anyway, I like. Well, I'm sorry, I can't find the key. We could go to the front desk and try to get another one. We could just have sex in the stairwell if it's all the same to you. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, she's like, "No, it's fine. Let's just go out like this." So, so we go back down to the car and we proceed wow. to go out. <laughs> We proceed to go out to a restaurant, and um, uh, we uh, we uh, get to get to this restaurant. She's like, "Let's go to the Hard Rock Cafe." So we walk into the Hard Rock Cafe, and there I am in this powder blue leisure suit, and her in her leather pants and cut off shimmery shirt, walking through the restaurant. And literally, there was a group of Japanese tourists that started taking pictures of us. <laughs> I mean, we, we did look uh, awesome. So so we go over to the Hard Rock Cafe, and we're sitting there. We're, we order our food. And we have, uh, you know, we're, we have a couple drinks or whatever. We order our food, and it gets time to pay the bill, and uh, it's she's like, "Oh, do you know? Do you want me to pay for something?" I'm like, no, no, I, I no, have baby, this. Greg Nibbler's this got is it. Fine. And I take a look at the check, and I open up my wallet. I don't have any of my credit cards with me. <laughs> I've got a the check is for nineteen dollars and like eighty two cents, and I have a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't want her to see this. And I'm just instantly in my head. I'm panicking. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I can't leave a tip, but I don't want the waitress to see it, and I don't want her to see it. I'm just leaving a $20 bill. 
So <laughs> I, I like distract her by something. Look I'm over like, there. Uh, yeah, it was basically <laughs> look over there, and I'm like, oh wow, that's a, they got a show going on over there or something. <laughs> I slide the twenty dollars underneath the receipt and just slap it on the table. All right, let's go. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we hop out and go, and at, at this point. Uh, she realized this date wasn't going anywhere. She's like, well, I'm tired. Oh, look at the time. Uh, oh, I got the big meeting like in the morning. o'clock. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I think I'm just going to drop you off. Uh, he dropped you off. <laughs> so Did she, you even try for the kiss? No, she, she, no, no, I didn't. She gave me a kiss on the cheek. And was like, oh, all right. That's worse than no See kiss at all. Oh, it is worse. It's a kiss of death. Yeah. So I went back to the hotel by myself in my leisure suit and ended up drinking at the bar alone for like two hours. That, that awesome. Was, that was my Vegas date. Well done, Greg Nibbler. Oh, that's that's great. Excellent. All right. Excellent. It is 503-228-4101. I'll tell you. I'll, I will tell you what happened to me. Are you ready to reveal the worst story ever? I'm ready. Will it make Greg feel better about his night? I think so. Excellent. All right. Straight ahead, Sarah tells the worst dating story ever. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Volkswagens. Call or stop in. Find out about your instant credit with Cash for Clunkers. As always, no sales tax for Oregon residents at the big one, Dick Hanna Volkswagen in the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. No payment program available to well-qualified buyers. May affect sales price. KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. All right, so... Oh, incidentally, so Greg Nibbler just told his uh, his Vegas stripper story, and I guess when I was imagining that story, I thought it was going to end. I thought it was going to end much differently. I thought it would end with be, uh, Greg being like the big sort of Mac of, of of the night, but not so much. We did get an email that says, "More Nibbler, please." Jenny likes this. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Tim Riley, what stories are we following for the good people of Portland on this Monday? Well, there's been another shooting in Southeast at eighty second and Division. The city of Seattle may ban microwave popcorn. And a North Carolina man calls 911 and says he's about to rob a bank. Come and get him. So that is all on the way this hour. Uh, we will also be speaking with uh, Aaron Duran uh, and the Week in Geek. Uh, your headlines are what is going on in the world of uh, nerdality. Aaron Duran, what headlines will you be uh, bringing for the people from the world of geekdom? The Warriors, Starfleet, and Scarlett Johansson's boobs all come out to play. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like. It's 52051. And sometime uh, this hour, you will hear the sound of the homosexual fiesta. One big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals. When you hear that sound, not now, but when you hear that sound, uh, be caller 10 and you will score yourself a pair of tickets to see the Timbler, um, the Timblers, the, the, Timbler. t- the Timbers versus Burnley Football Club. Uh, they're from the English Premier League. <laughs> Happens Saturday, July 25th at PGE Park. One grand prize winner also gets to sit on the bench with the players and hang out with Sarah X. Dillon on the field before the game. That is the uh, t- uh, Timbers versus Burnley Football Club. Uh, Saturday, July 25th, plus entry in to the grand prize drawing. That's when you hear the sound of the... One big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals. When you hear that this hour, be caller 10 at 503-228-4101. All right, so, it, so fair is fair. Greg told his stripper story. Okay. You last week, when we were discussing the fact that the... You mentioned that you had the worst dating story. Certainly I, in your not, own it's, history. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. But he's, this person isn't a bad person. This is the hipster. Like it's just—it's something that happened. This is the hipster. Now, are you? Uh, am I? 
Are you no longer seeing the hipster in a social we, sense? We are no longer seeing each You're other. You're now on separate paths. <laughs> no, he's, yeah, he's fine. You're a great guy. Uh, that just, it, it kind of faded don't away. Don't want to see you anymore. After after the incident, um. Please don't call me. I didn't so much return the phone. Is this the guy that, uh, is this the guy that broke into your house and stared at you while you were sleeping? He didn't stare at me. Yes. You don't know that. You were asleep. You have no way of knowing that at all. That's true. That is true. You've just been sitting there He's like the Angel making charcoal sketches at, of you. Well, at the point I was in the middle of it, you know, and thinking that, oh, wow, this is awesome. You know, he's so crazy. By the way, I would like to note uh, that a few weeks ago when we told the story, which was true, by the way, of you waking up and the hipster is standing in your bedroom having come in a, a window, having broken into your house, came into your bedroom and hi. was watching you while you slept. And at the time, everyone said that it was equal parts kind of hot, but creepy. <laughs> and I know that if the, you felt that perhaps the assessment of him was a little bit harsh from the audience's perspective. Mm-hmm. So, so now, I, I decided to give him <laughs> give him a chance. Now that I, now that I know that the worst dating story ever is also about the hipster, uh, please to tell. Okay, so we had been dating. So this was a couple of weeks later. I also he also um, ended up locking me out of my apartment uh, one weekend. So what a prize! Yeah, so he because broke he was my... upset with you. <laughs> no, because he <laughs> stay out. <laughs> because he passed out with my house keys. Um, wow. So so that so he broke into my house on a Wednesday. It's hard to see how this could have gone poorly. <laughs> Locked me out of my house on a Saturday, and then the following Saturday. Okay. Oh God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Okay. Okay, the following Saturday, we went to a party and like we were out really late with a bunch of friends. You know, everyone's drinking, having a good time. Blah blah blah. Take a cab home. Uh, get back to my house. This is you and he both are back yes. at your house. All yes. right. So, so, um, and go to bed. So <clears throat> at about 7 a.m., I wake up and I feel, <laughs> and I feel something warm on my side. I'm like, what is that? And I open my eyes. I'm like, hmm, okay. And I check him. I'm like, hey. wait, let me guess. Fell asleep with a cigarette, set the bed on fire. Not so much. Okay. Um, fell asleep with a steak. <laughs> yes. With a steak. <laughs> So I turn on my light because it's still like really dark in my room. I'm like, what is you that? You felt on- something warm. When you say something warm on your warm side, do you mean? Oh, let me. Do you mean you felt something warm I, on your side, like on your side of the bed, generally, or literally on your side, like touching you? Like you felt something on my warm. Side, like I felt, I was, I was sleeping, and I kind of had rolled over a little bit, and I felt something kind of squishy. Right. And it was wet, and I'm like, what's going on here? And I turned on my light, and my entire bed is covered in some kind of liquid. And so I shake the hipster awake. I'm like, hey, hipster boy. I'm like, Did, I'm like, I think something might have happened. Aww. And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. I, th- I just think you spilled something on the bed. And I like flipped up the sheets and he had peed in my bed. He had peed in my bed. A grown adult male. So he gets up. I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm like, you peed in my bed. And he's like, yeah, that happens a couple times a year. <laughs> well, was I, he, before I, does he have a. Is I'm does he have a med? I'm trying to uh, understand. Does he have a medical issue of some kind? Because I'd by feel medical, bad. You mean he likes to drink a lot? Oh, this is just the medical issue is that he uh, drank enough that his body forgot to hold in you know urine. <laughs> so he's sitting there trying to convince me that um that I had spilled something on the bed, and I look at what his, could you have spilled in the bed while you were asleep? Like right on his crotch. I'm like, really, really. I'm like, was he dry? If I can ask, this, was he dressed or undressed? If he was, I he was dressed. He was wearing like sleeping pants. Oh. Uh, and they're all soppy. Pants. Sleeping pants. You mean like in like a Fred McMurray and by three sons? Even like, like the a smoking jacket, like the travel lodge bear. No, he was in poor shape. So I think I'd given him some before he went to bed the night. Oh, so he, so he was he wearing your pajamas? <laughs> only I'm allowed to wear your pajamas. Then that's only when we're bowling for charity. Let me understand. No, no, no. Stop. So you guys have gone out. You came home. He put on a pair of your pajamas. 
You got into bed together. He passed out in your pajamas and then whizzed the bed. And then peed in the bed. And so I'm like, oh, my God, that is so gross. <laughs> and, but I'm, I've ever I'm heard. forgiving. I'm forgiving. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll just let him lay in the pee bed. I'm going to go sleep on the couch. So I go sleep on the couch. We get up, like, go to the pool all day and stuff. I, I'm just kind of like, like, I just kind of leave everything. Like, I, I'd taken off the sheets and everything. So he doesn't, A, offer to clean anything. No, of course. He did, he, offer... did he wake up and run for the door? No, no, he just he slept in it. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't mind, I'm just going to sleep and in my so, own urine here. I uh, That is not off-putting to you in any way, is it? So, right. um, yeah, so I would come back home you know, later on with one of my girlfriends and was like, okay, we're going to have a pee-cleaning party. Woo, it's fun. You told your... Oh, see, that's a thing I would never have told anybody. Well, he didn't know because... We I were, would have burned that that sheet no, and I wouldn't I have told given, anybody. I asked. I'm like, can I say something about this to my friends? Oh, but because I wouldn't have is socially, my thing. Like, yeah. I still wouldn't have. I would, even if I had permission to tell it, I wouldn't have told anybody. No, because he wasn't even that embarrassed about it, which was a little strange. Ugh, because ugh. he said that it happens. <laughs> so if he's saying it happens twice a year, that means it probably happens more you than You know, that. can I just to make you feel a little bit better here? So yeah. Lara, this is many years ago, but Lara had a friend. Uh, when she and I uh, first got together, she had a friend that she spent uh, a lot of social time with, and her friend was a huge drinker, probably still is. Uh, and they were adults. I mean, they were like, you know, it's like they're in 20s. And um, you know how girls will sometimes, uh, you know, share a bed, and not always in a sexy way, unfortunately. But, you know, you're, the guys won't do that. A dude will sleep on the floor or on a couch or something, but chicks will share a bed. And Lara woke up in the middle of the night one time, and the bed is squishy and warm, and her friend had... Lost control of her bladder, and and the friend tried to do this pseudo scientific explanation. That, well, you know, sometimes a certain amount of alcohol will relax the muscles uh, in your body. And it's like you, you whizzed. You just that's all that you you peed in your own bed, and I've, you're a grown woman. I've heard some horror stories from people saying that um they know they've known people like their friends who have peed the bed, but then they woke up before the other person and have like spilled water on them to try and make it look like the person. The, that the other person actually did it. So then you, so then you have so your pajamas. You have to wash too. No, okay. So this is the best part. So I'm sitting there. You know, Kelsey and I are. Cleaning. This is the best part. What is the best part of him peeing so in your bed? Kelsey, bless her heart. We, you know, we scrub down my mattress. We do everything, and I'm cleaning around my bed, and I reach under my bed, and I'm like, "What is that?" <laughs> I pull out this wad of clothes, and it's all of his pee clothes balled up under my bed, <laughs> marinating under there that he had like tried to hide from me. I don't know. Hide from me under my bed that he had just left there. You'll never find these things that reek of urine under your bed. No, so I have... So it was like a t-shirt, pants, You you really don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to suss out the fact that there's clothes under your bed that stink of urine. It was... Completely balled up, shoved under my bed. And you're under your bed in your apartment that has no air conditioning, which means it's 90 degrees during the summer. That's the special shade of brilliant to that. Ugh. Was that the end of That's that relationship? Was that the... Uh... Well, I guess this is the other side to Portland is a paradise for single dating women. I suppose. If you well, have he a... is one of the 50,000. Well, that's true. <laughs> At this point. Somebody else can scoop him up now. If you, if you have an incontinence... Or sop him up with a mop. <laughs> if you have an incontinence fetish, this is just the city for you. Was no, that but the... truth be told, he's a very nice guy, but yes, that was... I, there's no going back. There I was, was going to say, no... because you, how can you ever be intimate with a person I who couldn't... is... I couldn't do it. That's why I asked if he had a medical condition. Because no. sometimes you have a, a surgery or, you know, I guess maybe like a, if you have a, like a prostate dealer or whatever. You know, you get people who have that sort of, you know, 
But I mean, this isn't that happens a couple times a year. Yeah, he just said it. That, that was the most true. I was like, ah, yeah, it happens a couple times a year. I'm like, you don't even offer to clean it, and then you're just passing it off. Like, what can you do? And the best part that he that he balls up the pajamas and puts them under the, under the bed indicates that he's it's happened enough with enough different people that he's kind of figured out the game plan. Well, so now I have the awkward thing where I have like, I, of course, I washed his clothes, so now I have his clothes and I haven't seen him, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with the clothes. Those are that's that's the trash. That's where you put those. <laughs> but he's he's a very nice guy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I think he would have to be to compensate for the fact that he apparently pees in the beds of women he dates. So, you know, you would have to have a personality to make up for that. I think that's questions one through nine on the AA checklist, by the way. On that note, <laughs> friends and neighbors, we're going to take a break. We come back. Aaron Duran. Oh, see, now I feel like I got to scrub. You've got to come up with an equally. I bad have, there's story. nothing. I have nothing to compare to that. When we come back, Aaron Duran is here with the Weekend Geek. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. You stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. It's too bad about your rocky insides where no man's seed can find purchase. <laughs> Visit KUFO.com right now. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I feel bad that I... I was going to say I feel bad I have no story to compare with the story you just told, Sarah. But I, Do but I, Do I don't really? feel that bad. <laughs> I don't have a story of anybody's bladder releasing in my bed. Um, and I guess I have mixed emotions about that. I'd like to be able to empathize. But at the same time, not so much. So, boy, back to back with Greg's uh, stripper story. That was... Uh, that was really quite a one-two punch of uh, of dating whimsicality there. All right, Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this uh, Friday morning? Well, we have uh, Debbie Rowe, who's having a problem with paparazzi. Miko Brando says Michael Jackson didn't have a drug problem. And we'll also talk about sidewalk obstruction. It seems that homeless people can sit on the sidewalk all they want. With they impunity, Tim. Yes. They, are, uh, they are America's finest mm-hmm. citizens. By the way, what is the temperature in the studio now? Does anybody have any, uh, any idea? I'm at the point of passing out in about two minutes. <laughs> the, you are the canary in the coal mine, yes. heat-wise. Oh, my God, it's going up. It's going up. It can only get better. Like it is 89 degrees here in the KUFO Fantastic. studios. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from geekinthecity.com. Your one-stop shopping uh, for all geek uh, news, observations, and products. Uh, Aaron, Geek in the City, Duran. Hello, sir. Hello. How's everybody in here? Oh, <laughs> it's all relative, I suppose. Yeah. Could be at home in, in Sarah's urine-covered bed, <laughs> I guess. Mary. Did you turn the uh, Did you turn the mattress over and get it all cleaned out and whatnot? Yes. All right. Excellent. So there's no more sleeping in golden joy. <laughs> and it sounds like you got the sheets off right away. Anyway, see, you were like Johnny on the spot with that. Where you're like, be gone. Yep. And then he just laid back on the mattress. I'm like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to sleep if it's all the same to you, honey. All right. Well, good lord. Yeah. Someone needs to widen their dating circle. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> That's what I'm trying with this new guy because he's like completely different. You know, like he has a you know. Job. Uh, yeah, he has a job. Well, he owns like a house and has a, a pretty cool job. And this is the uh, we're calling him the guitarist, the yes. new guy. And I he's should... all like wholesome and wears like sandals and stuff. I should I should say actually that the the new guy seems uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Doesn't seem like the, the guys you normally date. Yeah, which I think maybe uh, you know th- this hour that phrase has nothing but positive connotations. Yeah. Um, but he, he seems like a good guy and he does seem relatively sane and stable. So house broken. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Toilet train. Yeah. We'll see what happens with this one. Hasn't thrown beer in your face. Does mommy have to get out the paper? Hasn't, hasn't, sho- hasn't shoved you on the ground in the Hawthorne Market parking lot and drove off? <laughs> You're you begging break- for it! You could break oh, into his house God. at night. Yeah. 
I know. I think I'm the crazy one. I'm trying to like pretend to be normal. I was just going to say, the for, yeah. for the first time in a long time, you are the nutty one probably in the relationship now. Just no, but there. he's used to dating strippers. Okay, but see, Aaron, let me ask you this. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had, um, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had relations with a stripper? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a great response. Of course. Hell yeah. Have you ever had an ongoing, uh, dated even in a casual sense a stripper on an ongoing basis? Yeah, for about four months. Yeah. All right. So do you see, look at Sarah's face. She's disappointed in you now. No, I'm just, I'm surprised. Why Please are you to surprised? Be I don't know. I want, I don't know. Is it because de- geeks can't, uh, geeks can't no, get no, laid? I know. Is that no, I've seen, I've seen girls that Aaron's bedded. I know that he has. Re- oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, she sees one all the time because I married her, but. I yeah, see I've one seen of the, your no, he showed me pictures. Yeah. Why does, why does Sarah get to see the special pictures? <laughs> because sharing them with you would feel awkward. Well, I suppose that's true. All right. No, no, no. That's a, that's yeah, hearing a, you guys talk about sexy stuff would yeah. be really creepy. Rick, t- check out this chick I humped it out with once. <laughs> what do you think? I made her call me daddy. <laughs> Ew. What? No, it was. No. All right. That's way worse than what I was going to say. So you, so you dated a stripper at one yeah, point. Yeah. All right. So you uh, see. And so you was she a sweet spirit? No, she. I mean, she was, you know, normal, but, it, you know, it's kind of that typical thing, you know, going through college and she had a hot body. So that's the easiest way but to see, make that's, money. So she was making money, like going through college. This isn't her career choice. No, but even if it was, I wouldn't care. But what? OK, but see, that's the see, that's the thing. Like, what is the what is the difference to you if she's using it to pay for college or not? I mean, not to be all like high and mighty, about it, but what's the difference between like a regular no, you know, I'm, run, I'm, like I'm, regular one way model? They're also just making money off their body. There's a difference. It, I don't know. See, in a weird way to me, the stripping feels more pure. There's a, we were having. We this... must go to different strip clubs because the strip clubs I go to. Where do you go? Well, we probably couldn't. Yeah, say. We'll, we'll talk about it. Off the uh, she goes to a. Uh, we'll call it. We'll call it one of Portland's independent strip clubs. Oh, I know where you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I met a nice lady there last weekend. Uh, well, we were, it's like we were having the discussion about. And you know that I like going to strip clubs. I have no problem with it. It's was just. It... It's diff. I don't know. Was it you that compared it to him dating an escort? No. Uh, no, no. Uh, maybe that was me, and I was yeah. saying, and I was. Uh, That's uh, different. Yeah. See, well, I, I guess, but I mean, but don't you? I don't know. It? I see. I don't know that it is actually. What I, about what if he dated like a porn star? Would that weird you out also? This is where I should read this text message that says, um, "Hey, uh, by the way, Sarah needs to watch that episode of Sports Night where Jeremy dates the porn star." Uh, I know that that won't happen, by the way. Even it will though you, st- you no, you did lying to me. Now you've got nice. uh, all of my Sports Night DVDs, which you lied to me. It said you would watch, and now you're not watching I will watch them. them. And they're today just... because I finished watching the show that I was watching yesterday. So. Are you going to watch it from the beginning? Yes. Are you lying to me? No, no, no. I will today. All right. Nice. Okay. What do I get if you haven't done it? Uh, what do I get? Well, if you, I'm probably if you not going to watch a lot it. of it this weekend because it's going. Well, I'm not saying things. you have to go watch the whole series, but I'm saying it, it, it is residing at your home. I'm just here's the. the I'm, this is not one of those things that I'm trying to make you watch. No, I, because I'm just trying to be. You say a con- this every day. I know. No, I'm totally going to watch. I want to. But you know, how sometimes people will have you read or watch something because you because they're just sort of control freaks, which Sarah and I both are, and it's like you just want to force them to watch it because you want to see if you can force them to watch it. This is that what was I'm trying- how I was with True Blood and all my friends. I'm trying to share a thing of great beauty with you that you will relate to because okay. Sports Night is not unlike working here in many ways. Okay. Many, many ways. <laughs> many, <laughs> many, many ways. Except you guys don't have a laugh track in the building. Not anymore. Not yet. So, uh, anyway, so there's a whole sequence, though, where there's a character who dates a porn star, and there's all this awkwardness about explaining to people what she does. Um, and she makes the justification. She's like, you know, I don't know if she says this, but you know, she's like, well, you know, somebody who's a massage therapist uses their body touching other people to make money. You're like, what is your problem? And there's, there's a whole intellectual discussion uh, about that. Yeah. So I'm just saying it, it seems like how old was he when he dated the stripper? This guy. This was he is thirty 
four. And so this would have been when that he did a month her. ago. Oh, so this is recently. <laughs> this okay, is I, but I see. I think that it actually doesn't see. To me, that's almost that's almost better that he dated her as an adult because that means he wasn't some douchebag with a backward baseball cap. You know, and that frosted is, hair. Seriously, and, some guy with yeah, with like like streaked hair. That's like, hey, check out this tight salmon shirt. Hey, yeah, baby. Yeah, check out this hot but slice I that I'm dating. I think the thing yeah. that I'm worried about is I think he's really cool, and I'm afraid that he might secretly be some random douchebag guy who hangs out at strip clubs all the time. I don't think that's secret. I mean, I think that's but like I don't, he, yeah, he was, I don't know how much he hangs out. At how strip did clubs. he meet her? Did he I, meet her when she was I dancing? Know. I don't know. Probably. I mean, I wonder if they. See, yeah, that would but, almost but be is... impressive if he met her when he was when she was dancing and then they started going out. I would almost be more impressed by him at that point because that never happens unless you're really? Greg and then or, you blow it anyway. Or you're me. Yeah, or, or you. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, in any event. All right, straight ahead, uh, Aaron Duran will give us the lowdown on the week in Geek and we'll have news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Dax Holt from TMZ uh, coming up at, uh, at 8 o'clock. And you know what? Now, more than ever, next hour, top five songs you're guaranteed to hear at a strip club. Thanks for that. Awesome. All right, stay there. Back after this, we are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in standard definition. If you don't have a place where you can hold these people, your only other option is to kill them. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up here in a few uh, minutes, Aaron Duran will tell us what's going on in the world of uh, geekery this weekend and beyond in Portland. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 744. It's going to be 94 degrees today. Ugh. 94 degrees outside. A Vancouver man has been sentenced to spend 30 days in jail after pleading guilty to second-degree burglary, attempting indecent exposure. This incident happened about three weeks ago. Isla Rohushki was off of this deal. He'll serve the rest of his 30-day sentence and the next two years on supervision. His attorney said he was drunk and was just trying to get into what he thought was his own apartment after a late-night cigarette break and said he broke into a neighbor's house and defecated on the floor. He'll also have to pay $80 to have that defecation uh, cleaned up. There's no explanation for why the I thought I was in my own home mm. <laughs> excuse like raises. On the floor. <laughs> well, it sounds like he's from a foreign country and that might have been typical. He left his, He didn't leave his old world ways It's from behind. some nation of savages where they don't understand where, where to put everything. All right. Usually it's a hole in the floor. Yes. Here's Tim Riley. A Bremerton man has been seriously injured trying to invent homemade fireworks. A neighbor saw smoke belching out of a garage, heard an explosion, and saw a bloody dismembered hand. Wow. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I love my hometown. He just invented homemade uh, amputation. Police advise... Those uh, thinking about doing the same thing, that the 4th of July has been over for several days now. <laughs> and the improper handling of material like this is going to cause injuries just as severe as this. The city of Seattle may ban microwave popcorn. This after the Justice Center has been evacuated eight times, forcing the evacuation more than 400 people. The problem is people are burning microwave popcorn. Boy, is and there it stinks a- up the kitchen. I was just going to say, is there any smell more distinct and terrible than yeah. microwave popcorn when it's burned? I mean, even when it's, here's the thing, even when it's not burned, microwave popcorn, for something that actually can taste all right, I suppose, although it still has that weird styrofoamy kind of thing going on, microwave popcorn has a really bad smell. And I don't know why. I guess, that, is that the, is that like the lining of the bag or something? Or is it like the, the, the chemicals that they put in it? 
There's a, there's a really distinct smell of the microwave popcorn, and it's very off-putting. It's the smell of future cancer. <laughs> That's what it is. Mmm, malignancy. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, crazy calls. A North Carolina man calls 911 and says he's about to rob a bank. Come and get him. Can I hello? Can I help you? My, na- my name is Pierre Cermani, and I've been mentally unstable for pretty much all my life. Okay. I can't live okay. in this world anymore. Where are you at, sir? I'm on Rust Avenue. I'm heading to Wachovia Bank. I've got a note. I'm going to rob the bank. I need to go to prison. I need some help. I can't live like this anymore. Which I'm one? not a normal person. What are you driving, sir? Ma'am, I'm walking. I got black shirt on, brown pants, white tennis shoes, and I'm right now turning into the uh, Wachovia, walking just past the, uh, the bridge. Don't try to stop me because I want to go to prison. Do you have any weapons on you, sir? Of course not. I'm not crazy. I'm mentally unstable and not doing well, but I'm not crazy. I'm not going to get shot. I just want to rob this bank and go to prison. All right, I'm at the front door. Do what, sir? I'm at the front door. I'm going in. Sir, why don't you just wait outside and talk to an officer? No, ma'am. I need to go to prison. Sir? Hello? Oh, that's so creepy. Wow. Okay, unlike Glenn Beck, that's a guy who's really crazy. Uh That's not a guy who just uh, plays at being crazy. That guy on the nine one one call there. That is that's a guy. I'm who's not the, crazy. I'm just mentally unstable. That see that's the distinction. He is the genuine article mm-hmm. right there. That's not a guy who's fronting at being nuts. Then we have the woman calling nine one one saying Garth Brooks' half sister is outside running around naked. Police, what is your emergency? Hi, um, I live at seven thirty three South one hundred forty second, and my neighbor across the street, which happens to be Garth Brooks' sister, is butt naked in her front yard. Butt naked across the street from your address. Yeah. You know what her name is? Her name is Betsy, and I don't think she. I'm not sure if she's drunk or what. That she's looking for a Mustang that doesn't even exist, and like a car. Yeah, and she's got a baseball hat on, and that is it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I get your um, name? <laughs> My name's Amy. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but this is the funniest thing ever. Okay. So but she out there by herself? Wanna... Huh? Is she out there by herself? She's by herself, but I think her girlfriend's in the house. All right. Her partner. All right, I'll go ahead and send an officer over there, okay? <laughs> okay. All right, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Is there any sort of explanation as to why? I mean, did we ever find out why Garth Brooks's butt naked sister sister. was walking around looking for a Mustang that isn't there? How would the neighbor know she's looking for a Mustang that isn't there? She was calling for it. Maybe. (laughs) Joseph Scruz, where is you? Uh, All right. I've seen photos, by the way, of Garth Brooks's uh, sister. She's... um, She's got a certain Debbie Rowian uh, quality to her. She's another woman who looks as though she's been made out of uh, cinder blocks and flesh. All right, here's Tim Riley. Then we have the jumbo flying squid, aggressive five-foot-long sea monsters with razor-sharp beaks and toothy tentacles. They've invaded the shallow waters of San Diego, spooking scuba divers Uh... and washing up dead on tourist-packed beaches. Uh, They can grow up to 100 pounds. They uh, came up from the depths last week, and swarms of them are roughing up unsuspected divers. <laughs> roughing up? I was roughed up by a squid. What did you say? It has toothy tentacles? Yes. Oh. They've created a whirlwind no. of excitement. Let me ask you this, Sarah. What do you find? What do you find more unsettling? 
The fact that the squid are coming up from the depths to rough up bathers. The fact that they've got toothy tentacles or the fact that they have, quote, razor-sharp beaks. No, the fact that they're coming up from the depths. Anything coming up from the depths? Are you kidding me? Let me ask you this. They've just been laying there dormant, and now they're like... What do you find? They're like, what? Like, What what do you find worse? Do you find uh, toothy tentacles or razor-sharp beaks to be more unnerving? Toothy tentacles. See, for me, it's the beak. Why? Because you have to get through a lot of tentacles in order to get to the beak. But the, but the, the thing in the water shouldn't have a beak. Those are for birds. You know, tricks are for kids, beaks are for birds, tentacles are for squid. Uh, when you have, because when it has, when you're talking about a squid that has a beak, then you're like real Dr. Moreau, like, I shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, sort of territory. <laughs> then it's just a kraken that you're dealing with. You know, with. Tony Howard swims with squid. Swims it's with like squid. dancing with wolves. <laughs> Tony Howard, he's, uh, he has t- video of it where he's gone into like squid dens and swam squid with Squid den? Tony Howard, by the way, is one of our fine <laughs> salespeople upstairs. You're, you're talking about squid schools. Or schools of squid, we, which can number up to 1,200. Uh, and see, the thing about San Diego is that's not a theoretical uh, coastline or beach. People go into the, I mean, that's, it's, you know. It's the gateway to Mexico. And, and that is where you, uh, that's where you. And sounds like to hell. That's where. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, Aaron Duran, what's coming up in the world of geekery? Uh, the world of geekery in Portland. Uh, tonight at Bridge City Comics is the uh, the world debut of the Warriors comic Written by uh, Portland local Eric Henriksen of the uh, Portland Mercury, so that all that starts, uh, I believe, at 8 p.m. tonight at Bridge City Comics. They'll be doing live signings. Uh, you get to meet the artists and Eric, and they'll be talking about you know why they did a sequel to the to, Warriors, to the Warriors, which is pretty fantastic. And then uh, also this week, uh, this weekend at Woodland Park Amphitheater is week two of Trek in the Park. I missed that last weekend because I had the America's Next Top Model thing that I'm I had totally to do. Totally going to go this week. Uh, it's this weekend and next weekend. It's at 5 p.m. What do the they Woodland do? Park. They show the series? No, 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 no. They perform it. They perform an they episode. They perform it? It's righteous. They will be, they're performing a mock time. I'm, okay, what, what day? Uh, this Saturday and Sunday, 5 p.m. at Woodland Park Amphitheater. It's completely free. However, donations are accepted and encouraged. It's uh, it's pretty great. They have a um, live music to do all the musical cues and all the sound effects. Yeah, I'm I'm sold. Yeah, it's fantastic. You have to check it out. Excellent. Find out more at geekinthecity.com. Thank you, Aaron Duran. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Dax Holt will be here from TMZ. Uh, at 8.20, we'll do the top five. Top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in every strip club. You stay right there. We return with more, including more news from Tim Riley. Straight ahead, we're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Friday morning. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Price. KUFO Portland. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-228-4101. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, Blink-182 is coming to town. They're going to be at Memorial Coliseum on September 9th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. Wait, is today Friday? Today is Friday. Yes, right. it is. I've been going through the whole day thinking today was Thursday. Tickets so go on today? sale tomorrow, uh, Saturday, the 18th, at Comcast Ticks. That's a two T's. ComcastTix.com or the Rose Quarter box office. Uh, that is tomorrow. However, uh, if you can answer the following Blink-182 trivia question, and you can be caller 10 when doing so, you will score yourself a pair of tickets to their show at Memorial Coliseum, September 9th. What is the name of Blink-182's demo tape released in May of 1993? Blink-182's demo tape, released in 1993, was entitled what? 
If you could be caller 10 and you can answer that question correctly, it's 503-228-4101. You will win yourself a pair of tickets to see Blink-182 at the Memorial Coliseum. And again, uh, those tickets go on sale tomorrow at ComcastX.com or the Rose Quarter box office. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Ah. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It's 804. It's going to be 94 degrees today. Back down to the 80s for the rest of the weekend. It's another possible gang-related shooting at Northeast 82nd in Division overnight. A cop heard shots ring out around 8 o'clock. Was flagged down shortly after that by a guy who said somebody was shot. They quickly found the getaway vehicle, a BMW, with the alleged gunman near the I-205 and took he and another accomplice into custody. A bomb scare at the Beaverton Home Depot was just that, a bomb scare. A customer found an 18-inch capped metal pipe under a compactor at the rear of the store and reported it. A robot opened up the pipe and decided it was fake. Uh, in just one uh, moment, we will resume uh, the news with Tim Riley. Let's take a second to talk to our good friend Dax Holt from uh, TMZ. Hello, sir. How are you on this Friday? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am, uh, I am fantastic. What is going on in the world of uh, scandal and controversy? <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if I talked to you. Did I talk to you about this Orlando Bloom getting his house broken into? No, I think I'd remember that. No. All right. Well, yeah, he got his house broken into here in L.A. He was in New York at the time, but someone crawled through the window, went in, and stole over $500,000 worth of jewelry. Good God almighty. I know. He's not even a rapper or something well, you think would have that much. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's two levels of weird there. One, I just assume, look, I have the, the minute I become wealthy to any degree at all, I'm going to live in such a fortified compound. This is like the paper boy won't be able to get anywhere near my house. I mean, there's going to be landmines and German shepherds and razor wire just for miles. And also, you know, in other news, Orlando Bloom apparently has $300,000 worth of jewelry just sort of sitting around. I know. Isn't that crazy? And I guess there was a couple of really expensive watches. But I just didn't see him with that kind of jewelry. Whatever. Anyway, they feel like it, they're not saying it, but they're hinting to the fact that it could be an inside job. Ah, I see. That's that's the other thing is that uh, all of my people are going to go through an extensive background check, and there's going to be no uh, warnings. Uh, there's going to be uh, no sort of written uh, notice that goes in anybody's file. The first time I suspect anybody uh, who, who works for me is uh, doing anything sort of improper, it's going to be like in James Bond movies where I just hit a button and the floor opens up and they go right into a piranha tank. That's going to be it. <laughs> And, that'll, and in front of all the other help, by the way, is a lesson to the others. All right. What else is uh, happening, sir? I love it. Um, and then, you know, with this whole Madonna thing where her, her stage collapsed and the, the roof of it collapsed, it hit a crane, landed on a couple workers, killed one guy, and then there were six injured, two were in critical. Well, the, the second, another guy did pass away, and Madonna uh, was in, on her tour in Italy, and she was up on stage, totally broke down. We, we put up this YouTube video. She was talking to the audience, said it was just tragic, and just broke down crying while performing. It's uh, something that I read yesterday, and I think yesterday they said it was one death, and now it, yeah, it's just that the second person uh, has died. Is it? And I'm unclear about what is it. Something sort of from above that fell, or is it the stage itself that kind of buckled? What would, what was the nature of the of the uh, the, the incident? It looks like the, like the ceiling part of the stage had collapsed a little bit, uh, and that's what knocked the crane over. Wow, uh, it was it was a bad yeah, it was a bad thing. I was reading the sort of the description of it, um, the description of it yesterday, and it, that, that's the sort of thing that is really surprising that way because there's such huge checks and balances that they put in, in place at most of those uh, at most of those events because it's such a big you know there's so much insurance on the line and and everything. So wow, all right, yeah, and you know what they're setting up these stages left and right. I mean, she's been on this tour for so long, you know, it's probably like second nature. 
sponsor for them to put these stages up and down, and you know, you just have one bad accident. Yeah. We know that when she was at the Dodger Stadium a couple, I want to say like a year ago, the top had kind of fell down a little bit then as well. So wow, one one wrong bolt. Uh, all right. On that note, my friend, have a, a good weekend. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you, sir. You too. All right, Dax Holt, ladies and gentlemen, you can watch him on TMZ television tonight, 11.30 on Fox 12. Uh, We'll do uh, one more here, and then around the corner we'll do the top five. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. All right, more Michael Jackson-related news. This gets weirder and weirder. Now we have the gay lover of Michael Jackson's dermatologist, who says, Joe Jackson once kicked Michael in the groin, which made him sterile. The second time was after he had put out a solo album and it didn't do really well. They were arguing about the fact that Michael was losing his looks, uh, he was losing his voice, he's gonna shame the Jackson family and this and that. Apparently Michael started to cry when he was saying that and uh, he then proceeded to say something like, you're a sissy and so if you're a sissy you don't need and kicked him and it was that particular one that he believed that he told Dr. Klein that he thinks that's where the damage was done because um, he said his testicle was never the same again it was uh, enlarged and and uh, it was always painful and stuff there's nothing good that comes to the phrase his testicles were never the same again that's just varying degrees of bad is what that is Ugh. all right Oh, what? Then Debbie Rowe is forced to call 911 on the paparazzi again. Humble Sheriff Station, Deputy Ames, speaking of Hi, it's Debbie Rowe. <laughs> what the hell? Could you strike that again? Let's, let's begin there for the... Wasn't it gibberish as that? I don't know. He's a rapping dispatcher. I don't know. Humble Sheriff Station, Deputy Ames, speaking of Memphis. Hi, it's Debbie Rowe. Yes. I got um, some family over and some paparazzi who are up on my property on my fence. Sort of the Tanya Harding of the uh, of the Michael Jackson story, wouldn't you yeah. agree? She really is. All right, uh, we'll uh, we'll end this segment by. Oh, I'm sorry. That was I would that actually I played I played it in the reverse order. I uh, I had meant to play the longer version of that. All right, when we return, uh, we will play you the best soundbite you're going to hear all day. You just heard the sort of meat of it there, but we'll play you the lead up and the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in a strip club. Next, you stay right there. We're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Rick Emerson Show continues next. Ladies and gentlemen, you and your groin, you you keep listening. On Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. Coming up here in just a moment, do the day's top five. The top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in every strip club. And uh, I should uh, play this here because I uh, I attempted to play this into the break and I hit the uh, I hit the wrong button. We were playing that 911 call. Was that a 911 call? What was the audience yes, we were was. just playing that had the screaming? 911 call. That oh, was Debbie Rowe, right? Mm-hmm. And I had uh, I was towing between two different 911 cuts. One is the guy who was suddenly surprised that his wife had a baby in the bathroom. Oh my god, I'm looking at a baby. Right there. Uh, and and then the second is not a 911 call, but it is in fact uh, alleged uh, radio entertainer Glenn Beck 
who, you know, most of the time is just sort of an interesting because he kind of fakes that he has mental uh, illnesses. And so this is not that. This is just him screaming at, uh, at a woman on the phone. But then at the very end, something that I think he didn't plan happens where his voice shifts up several octaves and he begins to sound like a small child, which is probably not the sort of... I think of, he sounds like a lady. It's Well, that's the thing. It's like you can tell he's trying to go for like an ultra-masculine sort of alpha uh, aggro kind of a thing. I am in control of the situation. Which doesn't really work. So he starts off by ripping, ripping off Don Geronimo and then he ends by sounding like a woman. Every time you people bring up costs, you don't care about right. trillions of dollars to develop. So that's where he starts right the, here. The, the credit card company. Kathy, get off my phone! Get off my phone, you little pinhead! I don't care. You people don't care about the trillions. Get off my phone! <laughs> <laughs> Why is he so angry? Is that what he's like in life? I don't know who he is. Well, it's because it's his, it's like it's his, it's his shtick. It's his, uh, that is his, it's his, uh, it's his gimmick. It's what he does. And when he's not screaming like a girl, what? Who would want to listen to that? Uh, The answer uh, to that, as with many things, is my in-laws. Tim Riley, (laughs) what headlines are we following on this Friday? Harry Potter makes $58 million on its first day out. And Oregon is number one on homeless people living on the streets. Hooray! Wait, no. Damn! All right. Yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? So this was inspired by uh, our repeated discussions over the last few days of the fact that Sarah's new gentleman friend dated a stripper for an extended period of time. (laughs) Uh, So what better time than now, what better show than ours to do these, the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club? Tim Riley? Yes? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see it here. I forgot And as we continue our discussion of dancers, performers, and those exotic ladies of burlesque, it's worth discussing the intersection of sound and selection of singers in the scantily clad. These are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Honorable mention goes to Buck Cherry and Crazy. That's right. So this is the uh, better known by its uh, full name of this is the Crazy Bitch song. I felt it was in improper to ask a newsman to say such a, yeah, a phrase. Trashy oh, girls God. love Buck Cherry. Uh, and so does Rick Emerson, by the way. I actually also love trashy girls who love Buck Cherry. Of course you do. Isn't this song where the chorus actually says, You're crazy, but I love the way you F me? Yeah. Whoa, really? Can't you see? It's like you can see the pole. I can see it gyrating. I see just like some horribly like '80s like clothing-clad girl like like denim with, shorts and, and with stuff. boots. And at the uh-huh. gr- at the end, he actually says, "You're crazy, but I love the way you f me." And then like done. I remember listening to it and realizing this was simultaneously the best and worst song ever recorded. Yeah, you think? <laughs> These are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Tim Riley, number five, Vorit from Cherry Pie. Boy, see every statement I just made for the Buck Cherry thing. She's my 
God. The thing is, you can't hate this song. It's like hating... Hating this uh, song is like hating one of God's special children. It doesn't matter that he just broke all your windows and peed on your rug. <laughs> or he your can, bed. He can, yeah, he can't help it. God made him that way. Uh, this, this song was... This song wears a helmet. There's just no getting around it, so you can't really actively dislike it. If I think about baseball, I'll swing all night. What else? What is there to say about this? Except that the video has Janie Lane and the rest of the guys in Warrant all holding a fire hose together and spraying a model named Bobby Brown with uh, it's water. It's very manly. All right. These are the top five songs heard in every strip club everywhere. Tim? Number four, Rob Zombie. Living Dead Girl. Who is this irresistible Way to hit the post. Who has an insatiable love for the dead. Sarah. Rob Zombie is so hot. See, I was just going to say, this was your addition to the list. You suggested Rob Zombie. and No, I did that and then also number one. Or the next one. So the, the deal with chicks and Rob Zombie, d- girls love him. He is beautiful. Now, is that when he's in Rob Zombie mode or when Any he's mode. in it? Really? And, yeah, and I don't even, I don't. I'm not disputing it, I just don't. No, and I, I, I'm not usually attracted to like that dirty, like, you know, old man, crazy rocker guy. I mean, he kind of looks like one of the Devil's Rejects characters. He's, a, yeah, he's so sexy. He's a smart guy, too. Have you ever seen him interviewed? Mm-mm. He's on that show Dinner for Five uh, with John Favreau, where he's there, you know, they're just having, you know, out of character, obviously. They're just having dinner. It's like him and Roger Corman and Bruce Campbell, I think, and John Favreau. And he's just the coolest, smartest guy. But it, this music is also really popular at strip clubs because it's got that electronic element to it. It's real rhythmic. You know, it's like I can close my eyes and I just see the girl spinning around the pole. Oh, yeah. With no effort at all. These are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear at every strip club. Tim? Number three, Nine Inch Nails. Closer. I saw a girl, you want to talk about inappropriate, I saw a girl uh, stripping to hurt one time by Nine Inch Nails. And that was just... Oh, you loved it. But see, I didn't, because that was the... That's... I don't think that was the... That wasn't the sexy kind of damaged. That was the... That was the uh, that was too far. It, it, it was it was too it was that was too far over the line for me. That, by the way, was at the Dancing Bear in the. I love the Dancing Bear. It was 1992, maybe. I was here to see Metallica. Anyway, and it was down the street from my sister's house. I had the. My, let me just make the story one. See, I don't have a story to compare with yours earlier of your ex, whatever, uh, peeing in your bed. I'll say this. I left my sister's house where I was spending the night before seeing Metallica. I left my sister's house and I walked, walked down the street to the Dancing Bear. And I'm not much of a strip club guy. I walked because my sister was having uh, really loud sex with her boyfriend Ew. in the next room. That's what I'm saying. And I had, it was like five or six minutes into it. And I'm like, that's, that's it. I, I can't hear this anymore. That's the only story I have to compare with that's for any awkwardness. Wrong. It was so wrong. Really loud, presumably acrobatic sex. Wow. Yeah, so that's... I had to leave and go to a strip club, which in retrospect, is it makes me sound even weirder. Sarah does not like this. <laughs> All right. Uh, these are the top five songs you're guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Tim Riley. Number two, Kid Rock with Cowboy. Totally. Chicks love Kid Rock, totally. too. Well, some chicks. Did you say that you found in the big uh, Kid Rock Tommy Lee face-off, you saw you found Tommy Lee hotter? Oh, God, I, I've met Kid Rock, and I, I have eyeballs. Kid Rock's unattractive. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's nothing about him if I try He looks like he looks like he's 12 years old. He does have he's a like bit a of little a... rat face and like stringy hair. And I've met him, and he was just the most stoned person I've ever met. Doesn't he seem like he might be uh, Timmy Ryan's older half brother? Yeah, he's just there's something really skeezy about him. He does look like and he it's, might it's be... not even like the the attractive skeezy. It's the like covered in a thin sheen of grease, yeah. but a grease that comes from the soul. It's a it's a grease of the a grease of the personality. Yeah. This is somebody that probably would not do so well on Dinner for Five. Perhaps, perhaps not. Right, these are the top five songs you are guaranteed to hear in every strip club. Tim Riley? Number one, Motley Crue. Girls, girls, girls. Absolutely. Yes. And justifiably so, by the way. Don't forget, Motley Crue is going to be here at Crew Fest 2 happening July 28th. Part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. They're going to be performing Dr. Feelgood in its entirety next week. Next week, next week. We are going to have a, a, a fantastic Motley Crue giveaway you want to be listening for. That is coming up next week. You can find out more about Crew Fest 2 happening July 28th at KUFO.com. From the album of the same name, it's the crew and girls, girls, girls. Good job. That's right. All hail me. We come back after this. Tim Riley will be at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up at 9, it is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. You stay there. We're back after this on Rock 101. Stop shopping for all your cult-like devotion. Want to come to my room? RickEmerson.com Do it now. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Not only is a killer, he was trolling for homosexuality online. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text anytime at 520 Be listening to Court and Fatboy this afternoon. They'll be talking to Mike Russell, a film critic from the Oregonian, and uh, they'll have Pedal to the Metal uh, tickets. You can find out more about the Pedal to the Metal Tour, Crew Fest 2, and the entire Summer of Rock extravaganza at uh, KUFO.com. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Ryman. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It's supposed to be even hotter outside. To 94 degrees today, it's going to cool off during the weekend. It's going to be sunny, though. It's now a, uh, it's a balmy 88 in here now. It's very comfortable. Yeah. It's uh, 842. Portland leaders are frustrated over a new number one ranking. We have the most homeless people wandering around downtown than any other place. Uh, and they don't know why. Leaders created a 10-year goal of stopping homelessness. How on earth do they expect to do that? And have already reached 60% of the plan. Who followed up to count this? And how? What? And what are the steps involved in said plan? I, I don't know. Are we just going to put it them sounds... all in a barge and kick it out of the middle of, of the Columbia? Say it and hope it'll happen. I know it's it's very foolish. Then Trimet's West Side Express service is really tanking. Uh, it's Cole West. That's the train that goes from uh, Beaverton to uh, wait, Wilsonville. Wilsonville. West loses a quarter of a million dollars every month. Well done. The problem is, all those people are supposed to go to work on it have no jobs to go to work. Job. I have no job. There is some good news, though. I watched uh, Leverage last night, and it's pretty good. So this is... But see, here's what I didn't know about this. You said that Leverage, which is the show filming here, Timothy Hutton, who won't come into the studio, uh, and the show that had he them blow up the car. He looks a little beat. And that's on he television. Not, not to say anything about his acting ability, but he's aged like 50 years in the last five. He does look a little, like, puffy. 
Yeah. That and that's nothing puffy and wrinkly. That's with the magic of television, too. Dude, I think that the one dude on that is really hot, though. See, I feel like, like a bad Portlander for not having uh, not having watched it. You said, though, that it doesn't take place in Portland. The Boston, Boston. Portland for Boston. Right. And they don't do any far shots. They do a lot of close shots. So you can't see the skyline. And probably because they don't have to rope off certain streets or certain areas. Uh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And so, I, I noticed, though, one uh, Portland actor I know of, uh, Robert Blanche, is playing a cop, and he's very good. Excellent. Good for him. Well done. So but you think it's worth watching? Yeah. Do I need to see the first season, do you think, to, to, to watch the I second season? I didn't see the season? first season. Okay, so you feel it's a pretty... like the, they're, they're pretty much standalone episodes, I would imagine. And I have it, a copy of the first episode if you want it. Okay, because it's like a uh, because it's like a uh, like an Ocean's Eleven meets eighteen. Mm-hmm. It's kind entertaining. Of thing. It's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it's entertaining. Yeah, like right. I didn't find myself looking at my watch or anything. No, it, it, it's good for Portland. All right, excellent. All right, at long last, leverage. <laughs> uh, time that something is good for. Boy, did you see the big the big news the other day was we're supposed to be, be ecstatic and doing cartwheels because the employment uh, unemployment rate, which is twelve point two, has quote leveled off. It's not going up anymore. It, we are stationary, and that just means two months in a row, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, at 12.2% unemployment. Uh, Starbucks is dropping its name at one Seattle location because it's adding alcohol. They're changing the name, and it's going to be called 15th Avenue Coffee and Tea. But they're not mentioning booze, which they're serving there. So they hope to do this in uh, more places. I wonder if they figured out that just paying $4 for a cup of coffee comes and goes with the economy. The booze is eternal, though. And really, just and in terms of, I would like to know how bars are doing right now, uh, and a lot of other, you know, a lot of those things that you think are recession proof. I, I think it probably depends, uh, you know, on the establishment and the, you know, their legacy and so forth. But you know, Starbucks is, you know, they're they're good at what they do. They are they're good marketers. I'll give them that. So uh, after they uh, played this 1984 uh, burn uh, video of Michael Jackson's scalp on fire, which is freaky, mm-hmm. it really is. So uh, people want to know more about it, of course, and then they're still trying to blame people for it, which is kind of weird also. Uh, so they had the uh, the fire guy who was there that day. Don Donister was the captain of the L.A. Fire Department at the time of the incident and uh, said it exploded too early due to uh, that song and dance routine, igniting his hair in flames, and he talks more about it. When I got him off the floor, he was, he was a little dazed, disoriented. Uh, as we walked him back, uh, he was worried that he wanted to know how severe the burn was. And he also asked about his face. He said, did, did any of the sparks hit my face or is my face burned? I told him, Michael, no, your face is fine. Well, that was clearly a lie because didn't mm-hmm. they say afterwards that they, I mean, although maybe in the rush of excitement, they couldn't necessarily tell. Mm-hmm. But I think they said that it had, he had second and third degree burns on his scalp and his face. And if you watch that video, I mean... It's it's freaky because he's walking down the stairs and they show the shot from behind. And it's and amazing. It's full on. It's not just like a little flame. Like his entire head is on fire. He's yeah. a candle. I mean, yeah, yeah he is engulfed. His head is engulfed in flame. Uh, and then they pull him up off the floor after throwing the towel over him. And there's a huge section of his hair that is gone, and his yeah. scalp is just. I mean, and you know the thing about burns are you know, the, the burns. Th- um. What am I trying to say? They look worse over time. In other words, something that has been burned 30 seconds ago and something that was burned yesterday, uh, you know, it takes a while for that damage to really assert itself in an aesthetic sense. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's as bad as it looked right there. It must have been like way, way worse. Uh, It's easy to see why you get hooked on the on pain medication. Harry Potter and Half-Blood Prince is now in theaters. Daniel Radcliffe uh, said it was wonderful working with the film's director, David Yates. You know, the fact that he came back for the sixth, which is, you know, I think he's only the second director to, to have done two movies now, is remarkable. And he's still got the same energy, the same vibrancy, and he's just, yeah, he's, uh, you know, a joy to work with. Every time I get on set, I look, you know, I look forward to seeing him because he's not 
there's nothing. He's got a genuine um, enthusiasm about him, which is really great. And this is the guy who plays Harry. Yes, mm. do, 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 Daniel. Do, do, Tim, have you seen this yet? Seen what? The new Harry Potter. No, it's uh, it's quite something. The he has a real John Lennon thing uh, going on in this, and not just because of the glasses. I mean, it's easy to say that, but he's got his delivery. He, I would be surprised if he didn't model him his delivery and his personality a little bit on John Lennon. He seems to have a little bit of that sharp kind of wry, sort of spiky delivery that Lennon had a lot of, in a lot of his more public moments. Meanwhile, what's his name? Rupert Grint, mm-hmm. which is a great name. Sounds all Dickensian. He just Ru- looks like fun. Doesn't Rupert Grint sound like a guy who would come to collect monies that, that you owe? Mr. Murdstone has sent me to collect, my lord. Whack! Right in the knee. Here's Rupert Grint. He's, he's got a lot more confidence in this one because obviously he's in, he's in the Quidditch team as well, which will boost him up as well. This is uh, Ron Weasley. Yeah, he's got a girlfriend. He he does think he's quite he's quite good in this one. So um, yeah, that was, that was quite fun to do as well because that's something I've never really sort of um, done in the other films as well. So it's been that's been quite fun. Stop trying to sound so British. Seriously, and he <laughs> looks just like Liam Gallagher in this movie. There a moment I turned, I was talking to Paddock. I'm like Liam Gallagher, uh, and he's uh, you know he's, there's that long sequence where he's uh, making out with watching that lavender uh, yeah. chick and. Am I the only one also, that, and I can say this because it's been out for like four days, so it's, a Is lot of people a have spoiler? It's not a spoiler, but it's like there's a Quidditch uh, thing. Did you think that all the Quidditch have looked especially phallic this time around? No. Really? Okay, because I've talked to many people who thought that. Because Wait, what, what? Like the poles and stuff? The, 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 the poles the and the holes? Wait, what? What? The holes in the, on the ends of the poles. That you throw the balls through. The rings? Yes. No, I'm talking about the broom they have between their legs, like like, no. a, like a member. No. Well, you can't help but have it look like... I mean, you'd crash flying your broom any other way. You okay. have to ride a broom like there that. Are, okay, but I think this film, I think they... In, if, uh, if you take a broom riding lesson, they would tell you that's a way to ride a broom. I think that there, there seems to be a little bit of blue humor uh, in this film, though, ever so slightly. a lot. There seems to be some double entendre, because this film is so much about, it has to be said, sexual tension mm-hmm. between some of the characters. But there's that guy, what's his name, who's who's all into Hermione, isn't it? The guy, and he's, but he's like the, the... I forget, it's not Cedric Diggory, but it's... What's his oh, name? Oh, the good-looking dumb guy? The guy who's like the bronzed, you yeah. know, like good-looking blonde guy and he's like so i'll be thinking of you when i'm out on the quidditch course then right okay and then they show him and he's on a broom and he's leaning back and the broom is up at like a full-on 40 degree angle and he like (laughs) winks at her and i mean i complete and i don't think that's my dirty mind i think everybody except for sarah saw what i saw it could be a little bit of your dirty mind yeah all right uh let's do one more and then i'll play uh one or two choice uh, cuts from the uh america's next top model auditions you uh, haven't asked me to play anything from emma watson yet it's well, I don't want to seem like that guy. This kind of slightly, um, slightly loony girl. Um, slightly hates, leany? Loony. Loony. Oh. that's ever happened. And she, um, she basically sort of takes, takes him away from her. And um, she's a bit heartbroken by it all, to be honest. How old is that uh, girl who plays Lavender? Do we know? Anyone? I, I, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Well, I'm going to assume that she's... Uh, I'm assume that I'm, I'm I'm going to assume that she's uh, has reached adulthood. No, 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 no. I'm quite the opposite. I, you don't ever assume she, that she's getting younger. Don't. It, it, yeah, I, I I have learned as I've become an old person. You don't ever assume uh, a girl's age because you can never tell. Because girls now are not like girls then. Um, well, in any event, which actually is a way to tie into the America's Next Top Model audition. So this last Saturday. Uh, the CW, uh, Northwest 32, they were doing the casting call for America's Next Top Model, and they air 
um, this uh, show uh, that I host. There's a show called Outlook Portland, which airs uh, Sundays at 6.30 on Northwest 32 TV. So when they're not airing the glory that is uh, me, Rick Emerson, they have America's Next Top Model, and there was an opening cast, open casting call where you can just show up, anybody, and if you meet certain of the requirements, you can film a little two-minute thing that they send off to Tyra Banks' people and then you know, whatever. And then from that, they pick all the finalists and so forth. So they're like, hey, do you want to come out and check this out? I'm like, sure, why not? And I had, I was telling you guys during the break, I really had no idea what to expect. It was insane. I mean, there were girls sleeping outside in tents, which, by the way, is not the way to look fresh-faced uh, when you go inside to be uh, you know, interviewed. But I was in there at the height line because it was all 5'7 and over. You had to be 5'7 and over. So I was there to sort of turn girls away who were, you know, 5'5, five, five, who had been told their whole lives that they Gleefully. were 5'7. <laughs> Your I life was destroyed. It wasn't gleeful, though. I mean, not at first. Uh, eventually it was. Eventually I found myself sounding like that guy in Showgirls when he's like, ladies, turn and turn and thrust. She's thrust it. Pelvic thrust. That, and I found myself, I was talking like, what's her name though? Like, uh, I was talking like, like the kind of butch, uh, the kind of butch woman in Showgirls who's telling, you know, right now you're on a diet of vegetables and brown rice. I, so, <laughs> Ladies, come in, shoes off, up against the wall, stand, don't lean, please. And I, and I was like, who, what is this voice coming out of my head? Why am I doing this? Um, and then girls would stand up and they'd stand at the line and I would say, I'm sorry, not 5'7", next. And, and she, I am so 5'7", I said, the line is here, you are here, you have to go now, thank you. And I, mean, I was getting this third-person view of myself like, you're sounding slightly odd today, Rick you're Emerson. You're an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> what an ass you are. Uh, so I did ask uh, a couple of the girls to give me their thoughts after their audition. Um, one of my uh, stock questions was, what song describes you as a person? And this is a girl named Noelle. And that is important Noelle. because of her answer. I say, what song describes you as a person, Noelle? If you were to describe yourself using a song, what song describes you as a person? Um, I'll just have to say the first Noelle, since that's my name <laughs> in Christmas. <laughs> since that's my name in Christmas. <laughs> uh, we'll do one more from Noelle here. This is the same girl. So out of you know, everybody in the entire world who competes for this, what do you think you bring to the table that could make you America's Next Top Model? Well, actually, kind of funny thing. Um, the other day, I was in downtown Portland at a restaurant, Chipotle, and this uh, photographer stopped me photographer. and told me I had a fresh face. <laughs> so I think I have a fresh face, and that's what I could bring to you. <laughs> do you know that he was really a photographer? Or he... I did, actually. He shot his portfolio, got his business card and everything. Photographer. So. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, let's see. There is a girl where I ask her, I say, what do you think you, you know, what is unique about you? And there's just a long long pause this might be it what is it you think you bring to the table that will set you apart from the other entrants from America's Next Top Model um, well I have really long legs <laughs> um, I'm not really sure that's well, the kind of energy I hope she brought to her audition tape, by the way. All that self-esteem. Uh, all right. I don't have time to play the one from the bipolar chick. Uh, maybe I'll play that if she makes it to the semifinals. All right. So there you go. That's that a different uh, pageant, isn't it? Yeah. Next time, <laughs> next time, next time, all three of us go. We can probably get every girl interviewed. That uh, that and way. crying? Yes. And no, no. No. Yes. Yes. 
All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, also Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com, and Dax Holtz from TMZ. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler at the front desk, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds, executive producer Christopher J. Paddock coming up at 9. It is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. It is Friday, July 17th, 2009, and that is the frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you on Monday. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.